Welcome, everyone, to a Delco Nerd Network hot take. Guys, if you haven't seen a hot take before, well, it's where a few friends get in a basement, give our thoughts, give our opinions on a TV show, a movie, or a game. Today, it's going to be a game, and that game is Guild Wars 2, End of Dragons. I have a very different panel of folks today. Of course, my name is Anthony Raguchi, the host of the uh, Delco Nerd Nerd Network podcast. Uh, To my right on the screen... Not like literally. To <laughs> to my right on the screen, he's been on DNN before. You may recognize him from uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake. It's been a while since we did that. Um, Adrian Lloyd, a.k.a. Age Night Road. Age, glad to have you, man. Welcome back. Yo, yo, yo. Hello. Uh, again, sorry for being a little bit late. Uh, I am bad at alarms. Uh, but yeah, it's good to be here. And below- Oh, what was that? Let's talk some Guild Wars 2. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And below me, you may know him. You only know him as MMO Inks, hailing from up north. But ironically enough, Inks is a, sort of a local himself, or used to be. What's up, Inks? Yeah, good old born and raised in Philly. Not too far from uh, where Fenris hails from. Yeah, Fenders is my Guild Wars 2 name for those. Yeah, and excuse me, Anthony yeah. Hales from. <laughs> and uh yeah, it's it's good to be on the show. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming on. And last, but certainly not least, in my I guess my corner. You know, not to my below. It's, this is this is the hard one, the hard directional in in the corner. Uh from across the pond, hailing from the Crichton or from the human homeland of Crita, the Crichton Herald. Fornax, as your Guild Wars 2 name is. How are you? Yeah. Welcome. Thanks for being on. Thank you for inviting me. It's lovely to be here. So let's start out. General thoughts about the expansion. Um, and then we'll just, you know, we'll go wherever we want. We don't really need to have a structure, like sort of like I was saying before the show. So let's just see where the day takes us. Aix, why don't you start us? What would you think of Ender Dragons? For me, the st- for me story wise, it, it was the best story I think they've ever done. Um, I really enjoyed Path of Fire's story with Balthazar, but I really think End of Dragons uh, uh, story wise for me is it felt much better anyway, and the general flow of it I think was a little bit smoother than Path of Fire. There's a moment in Path of Fire when you're getting towards the end where it feels like a chapter is sort of cut out or missing or something. And end of dragons didn't really have any of that for me. I didn't feel like I was missing any parts or um, that there was any obvious holes in the story going through it. So for me, the story wise, it was uh, the best they've ever done. And I look forward to seeing what, uh, where the story goes next, because uh, not to get too ahead of ourselves, but it came to a pretty good conclusion. For sure. Age? Um, yeah, I think I echo the same sentiments. I think the story was really good. I think it kind of had to be good, unfortunately, just because be the expectation... <laughs> expect, well, like, the expectation was there since the, uh, like, Ice Book Saga. For sure. Uh, was, like, 
for those who don't know, Icebreak Saga was really wasn't up to par story wise for a lot of people. So the expectation was that uh, Ender Dragon's story would make up for that, and it did. And I agree, it is the best story I think of a service told. Uh, I think the character development was actually a lot better than usual. I think the voice acting was a lot better than usual. Uh, way more sexual innuendos. Uh, and I think it was a, a decent way to close out the Dragon Saga. So going forward, I don't know where they're going to go forward, but it's kind of, it's very open. So it's, I think that's a good thing, especially for writers. So yeah, that's a, those are my thoughts. Cool. Four and axe, go for it. Oh, God. So, bugger. <laughs> Unpopular opinion. So, was it better than um, previous storytelling? 100%. Was there more character development? 100%. The environmental storytelling, I think, has improved as well. And Echoval is just absolutely beautiful. But they keep bringing in characters that they want us to care about and then murdering them before we can actually give a shit. So why, guys? What what the fuck are you doing? Come on. We love you, but Jesus Christ. And unpopular opinion? Well, great. So Suon, sorry, st- spoilers, Suon created the D- Elder Dragons. How and why and who created her and how did the evolution of the races? It, they didn't really, it was, it was a prologue. It was a veneer. It wasn't a fully fledged story specifically to do with the dragons. They gave us an outline of a possible interesting story and then killed her and we're moving on now. So no, I'm not, I'm not, I, I loved it and it was wonderful to play through, but they could have done so much better. So much better. Sorry, guys. You, you can now like, hate me in the comments. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say that. Would you say that the story would have been way longer if they would have fleshed it out more? Or is it more of like, this should have been... A living, like another living world season or something like that. If I think that we should have got to Suwon immediately. I'm like, I like Maitren. She is an interesting character, but we spent too much time on her to have her spoilers again be killed off. And it was a heroic death. And I like, I like the idea of redemption. I'd like them to redeem Minister Lee. I think that would be a very interesting storyline of someone coming from a point of prejudice and moving through to a point of understanding and acceptance of foreigners and the influence and the and the whole empire opening up. I think that would be an interesting storyline. But if this is the end of Dragons and this is the name of the expansion and you've decided to focus on an Aetherblade rather than the dragon of the end of Dragons for your story and giving us a veneer of what the actual dragon story was... Because it's it's a, it's a paragraph. We get a paragraph of dragon story. That's my opinion. Not that I don't love it. I do, and I loved playing through it, and it was beautiful and enjoyable. But it was the it was the clip notes version of the story rather than a fully realized idea, in my opinion. Yeah, I I, I think I kind of I agree with you. Um, I I pretty much agree with what everyone said. I don't think anything was like oh I totally disagree. Um, uh, sort of going off of Inks and, and Fornax, like, I feel like the story was, like, really short and concise and good. And, like, Path of Fire, I feel like, was, like, the opposite, where it was, like, it, in the middle it drug out, and I felt like it was, like, all right, what, what are we doing? But I but I was kind of really surprised. I was, like, going through the story. I'm, like, oh, like, we're, like, 
I'm at the end already. I'm like, oh, okay. It's like it's not going to be as like fillery as as I feel like the past expansions have been. And I I don't really like you know anything short is usually comes with negative connotations at first. But at this, I was like, oh, I, I think I'm I think I kind of like that it was short. But yeah, I I, I do think uh, it was it is Guild Wars 2's best. It is Arena Net's best. Um, but I feel like there are a lot of little issues here and there um, that y- you can nitpick. Like, again, we are ending a not only a 10-year story, but, like, Eye of the North story. Like, we, we've started this years ago, and it, it, and it didn't start with just Guild Wars 2. But, you know, it all kind of it, – it didn't, it didn't, right? Um, so I'm glad we're kind of uh, out of the jungle of, of that story because I feel like we've, we've been not stuck here, but, like – it's it's had to have been so focused around that. Like there really wasn't any other direction we could have gone like at all. Okay. Well, whatever we do, it has to culminate in an elder dragon battle or like a conflict. Right. But now like what age was saying, it's like, where are we going? You know, like it, 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 they, you know, the world is sort of their playground and I'm interested to see what they end up doing. And we'll, I will, we'll definitely circle back around um, to the end to kind of talk about, where where they're going but like i hope we don't just jump into another huge conflict because i kind of like where like nothing's going on and you kind of you get opportunities in story to kind of like flesh out characters or do something with characters in a more like normal sense rather than oh they're at war and you know we're seeing what's going on in like this big epic sort of story kind of way it's like oh well you know we end the uh, end of dragons with Marjorie and um, Kaz getting married. And that that's been like a huge buildup. It's like, okay, like what are they going to do with that? Or like, you know, hopefully it's not like, ah, here's the next big battle. Who cares about marriage? Like we got to go fight. It's like, I hope they don't do that sort of thing. But um, yeah, I really liked it. Age one point. I got to, I got to point out that you brought it up and I'm glad you did. Cause I, I was really upset by the voice acting. <laughs> And it's not it's not the main characters I have an issue with. And th- this has been a thing I've had issues with for a long time. It's why am I hearing Steve Bloom's voice ten times on ten different characters and like oh, Timon's voice. I'm like, guys, hire anyone, anyone else. Why are we using the main tier cast as the extra people in the world? Like, just hire anyone, anyone. Like, I was so annoyed hearing yeah. Steve He's... Bloom's voice over and over and over again. And Dave Fennoy and um, Timmy's actor. I know her last name's Derry. Debbie. Debbie Derryberry. And I'm just like, what? Come on. Inks, what were you going to say? Yeah, that's been a big problem for a couple of seasons that they've had now, too, where, like, just use studio employees as for extras sure. or something. Anybody. Like, yeah. You know, there are throwaway lines in the background, but it's weird that you're walking around town and you hear Bram spouting off about fish for sale or something. Like I'll never forget where Bram was talking to himself in, I think it was Daybreak. He's literally having a conversation with himself. And I'm like, (laughs) are you guys, are you kidding me? Like, how was that an oversight? Like, uh, like, we're real. I know, like, okay, like it was during the, no, no, it wasn't during the Iceberg Saga. So there's, I don't think COVID. No excuse there. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just I just don't understand what they're thinking with the the voice actor direction for the flavor of the world. It's like especially a, an actor like Steve Bloom 
and Dave Fenoy. They're really well-known voices and vo- and voice actors. They're really easy to pick if you play games. Yeah, so I, I, I just wish they, they like, spent the extra money to get anyone else or put people in the probably, studio. Probably, uh... Probably an unpopular opinion, but I didn't really like Rama's voice fit. Um, <laughs> He's, not, um, nothing, nothing against the actor. I think he is terrific. Fine, whatever. Uh, I mean, I think he's great. I just like I expected Rama's voice to to be different, to sound different, maybe more like Asian inspired. Because I feel like I I feel like like I don't really know the voice. He cast, just sounds but... like a generic anybody do you know what i mean so it doesn't sound like uh <laughs> I, I don't know like if, if you like for example i have a number of police officers in my family and they have a certain way that they talk oh. beyond their accent yeah you know yeah I mean? and he's this mm-hmm. detective but he just sounds like regular joe on the street do you know what i mean like he it didn't his voice just didn't carry the weight for me, I suppose. And it's nothing against a voice actor. I think he did a terrific job. Yeah. But it just didn't fit the character exactly right. So, um, he, he and played... the other one Sorry, God. that everybody seems to love is Ivan. And I just can't stand the dredge voice. I just, yeah. It's like, it's kind of like Timmy's voice a little bit for me. It's just too much. I, I was like, okay, I've, I've heard enough of Ivan. I don't, I don't need to hear him. I, Ivan is, is Steve Bloom. So, like, why the fuck? You know, like he's Ritlock. Like it, it already like makes me not like it. And I was gonna say the guy who plays Rama plays Charles in Red Dead Redemption Two, and he's a character in Horizon Forbidden West. I noticed, and I'm like, oh, this guy. I know who this guy is. Um, so you, you both, you have both just painted targets on both your asses because there uh-oh. is so much thirst for Rama out there. There is there, there is a thirst trap going on here. <laughs> so good luck with that. I'm I'm off this topic. <laughs> yeah, uh, people people it's, it's really hat, really love Rama. Um, yeah, like yeah I, I, don't, I don't get trap. why. I don't get it. I mean, it's the hat. It's the hat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's uh, great. I'm, I'm I'm glad you have your crush, your, your thirst trap. You're whatever. allowed. You're allowed. Yeah. I just I felt like his voice actor was. A bit misplaced. That's all. He wasn't can... wasn't detectivey enough for me. I guess I don't know. I think I that's say... what I like about him. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I, I apologize. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was going to ask one of the um, one of the things that I found in previous expansions is that there's a lot of cross chatter, just like we just had here, right? Where some where there's um, a piece of important narrative being spoken, and then you get a lot of um, background voices coming in and cutting it off. I didn't notice it as much, and I was going to ask you all: Do you think that they've done a better job of cutting off the cross chatter with this expansion? No, no. <laughs> Um, I only had it happen to me once or twice. I don't know if I was just lucky or, you know, whatever. But I didn't notice it quite as much. Age? I think it's still relatively the same, yeah. Yeah. Maybe I, I, a little bit less, but... Yeah, relatively the same, I think, is exactly where, where I would put it. That's, that's always a thing in games that it's just like... I don't know. I don't know how you fix that, but it's always it's always annoying. It, it, I think it happened. It, it happens to me in Horizon a lot. Zero, uh, not Zero Dawn. Forbidden West. I was just like, 
why are we like I don't I don't know like <laughs> like how do we fix this guys like I want to hear both but like they can't be over top of each other and especially in in Guild Wars Two as you're as you're moving through the zones especially like the cities part and and in Saitong I noticed it a lot I'm pretty sure that's how you say it I've actually never heard do they pronounce that in game like is that the is that the way you say it Saitong Province Yes No Say like Saitong but Yeah Okay Is it Saitong or C or C Maybe it's Sai. We'll I, I didn't watch the, the guild chats because I didn't want spoilers, so I, they were, probably would have named it probably there. Well, yeah, well, you know what we're talking about, but there it's like there's a lot of towns and stuff, and, and you're constantly kind of like uh, going past people, and they're talking, and I think that's where it happened for me, like just, just thinking off the cuff. Um, yeah. But... To sort of go off of that point, um, I did really like the intro into when you're in Saitong and, and you 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 sort of have like a little prologue-ish moment of like, oh, this is why we're in Kantha, right? Where um, Anka's set up and we sort of get the Aether Blades are back and we and we get thrusted in, into Kantha in a, in a pretty interesting way. And by the way, in that first story instance, they have like a British voice actor as an Aetherblade, and, like, that guy never comes back. I, like, noticed that, because in the first story instance, I was like, whoa, that's a different voice I've never heard. Like, I'm looking for, like, like different voice actors. I'm like, oh, the Aetherblades are all, like, different sounding. I was like, this is this is cool. And then that, like, like we were just talking about, that, like, instantly ended. Um, but the voice acting for that first instance was, I, I think, really different. Um, so I'm not sure of any of your guys' history with Guild Wars. So, like, I'm, I am I played the original, so Factions is kind of nostalgic for me. But it was interesting kind of getting to Kantha and, like, you come out to the Vista and you get the, the logo. And I was like, it feels really different. And th- that was a good thing. But then you get to uh, Zendai Jr. and it's like, oh, I'm back in that Guild Wars 1 Factions mission. Uh, what was What were those moments like for you guys? Yeah, for well, yeah, yeah. well, for me, I I did play Guild Wars one. Uh, like I played all of them, so I was looking for those first places that you usually start. It's, it just felt like exactly like factions, the way of path, mm-hmm. uh, everything. So that was kind of neat. Uh, I was, yeah, I was looking for all the all the different places that were on Shinjar Island and you know Kining City. I was wondering the different points of interest that there were there because Kining City is very different from what it oh, is today. Sure. Um, I could follow Wilds, I could Forest. You did the comparisons, you know, Arbor Stone, all that stuff, and the, I think the Jade Sea was the most different. Mm-hmm. thing just because you didn't really explore well at least from what i remember we didn't really explore the jade sea as much as we did in this expansion just yeah, because yeah i think like, i think you're right yeah, just because the tower at the bottom part of the map is basically i think that's where shiro we fought the shiro got killed the first time yes yes that's so. where the jade i forget what they call it but like the explosion yeah the jade wind starts from there and you only and you get there you fight kunavang in guild wars one there but i'm not 
if I don't really remember what else happens in that zone, just because it's later in the like in that it's, expansion, yeah. like, it's hazy. <laughs> it's also it's more like, like Lux and yeah, it's like the Luxon part of the of factions where you, uh, I I forgot what you helped them with, um, but it was that was part. Of the Kurzik, so. <laughs> I was too, but yeah, I, 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 uh, the Luxon stuff is all is all hazy. But I, um, yeah. what were the uh, Fornax go for? What were uh, did you play Guild Wars One? Did you have like those nostalgia moments? What did you think of the new stuff? Yeah, so I, I've played from the start. I um I played right from 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 factions right the way through. Um, and I I don't feel like so yeah, Xingzhe a little bit, but I don't really. They've done such a good job of kind of modernizing it that there's an echo of the original maps. The kind of there's a there's a, a deference to them, but it, they they haven't just copied and pasted. And I didn't at all recognize. Uh, Kayang at all and of course I wouldn't because it's new Kayang because sure. old Kayang was completely destroyed and I was kind of I was kind of a bit bummed to be honest about that it would have yeah, been nice I was too it would have been nice to be able to do, explore it and go and and see what they would have done with all the shanties and the slums that were surrounded the city and how they would deal with that in modern in modern storytelling um but yeah I I don't I, I actually do not like new kayang aesthetically but i don't I think don't <laughs> it's, it's not it's not aesthetically pleasing to me uh Xingzhe is the most beautiful um i think i'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a big fan of cherry blossom <laughs> um but uh and and echo val is just glorious but in a kind of dark way it, yeah. it's 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 got a sort of undertone to it, and I was very disappointed with the Jade Sea. As much as I actually enjoy the, the the meta map, it's a fun map, it really is. And God knows I've done it a lot to get my bloody turtle. Um, holy <laughs> shirt balls! Uh, but um, we explored so much more, and I'm hoping that that beautiful big map art is a, a precursor to us actually getting to explore the rest of the Jade Sea because that was where um, the Luxons raised their turtles and there was battles between the Kurziks and the Luxons. Um, um, and there was a whole... Mi- there used to be PvP in the mining areas, didn't there, in the, in the Jade? So I'd, I'd like to see a bit of that. I'd like much more exploration of the Jade Sea. I like the Vistas. I like... Because I did watch a lot of their um, live streams, and the the feeling of expanse is great, but the feeling of running into that invisible wall is not great. It isn't great. I definitely want to come back to new kinding, but inks, go for it. <laughs> um, I guess I'm the odd one out. I didn't really play a whole lot of Guild Wars One. Uh, the one that I did play was Nightfall, um, and that's already come and pass, I suppose. <laughs> So I didn't really have any expectations for Cantha, other than I wanted to go there. I wanted to see it. Um, I know for a very long time it's been like the most popular, talked about thing ever for players. Yeah. And um, I mean, obviously ArenaNet knows that, so they capitalized on it fairly well. I think. I would have liked another map, I think, but for what we got, it's pretty good. Echo Valley Forest is my favorite of the four maps only because it's the only map with real exploration, in my opinion. Um, there's a number of secret hideaways and entrances and tunnels and mausoleums and so forth that you can explore and 
find points of interest, but also different treasures and, and so on. So, I mean, that's one of the key things that I've always loved about Guild Wars 2 was finding these hidden whatever. And um, for as many waterfalls <laughs> that are within this expansion, there's not very many things behind any of the waterfalls, which I, I don't know. It's like a... I don't know what you would call it, but you see a waterfall and you're like, okay, clearly there's going to be a hidden like passageway or something behind the waterfall. Yeah, absolutely. And unfortunately for EOD, one or two of them, yes, but most of them, no. So um, I wouldn't call that a disappointment, but it's just something that I see a waterfall. I expect to find something behind some of them anyway. Uh, So I could have done with a little more of that. The Jade Sea is kind of a barren wasteland. It's a it's a it. meta map, right? Like it's truly a meta map. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's but I fine like it. as a map. I, I like that there's like an underground river thing that I, you know, I had almost completed the map and had no idea there was like an underground river. Uh, that took me like a long time to find. So that was kind of a nice hidden little Easter egg, I suppose. Um, uh, that that I was able to deal with. I didn't have much trouble with the turtle meta, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah, we got uh, as to why that. players did or didn't. And um, the other two maps are are very nice. I think uh, Saitung or whatever is a great starter map. Like the first map that introduces you to the rest of the world, I think it's great for that. Uh, Kainang City. I'm probably butchering the names. Yeah. That was, um, that was again, as as cool as it is, and different as it is, because it's like a real looking city. Um, not my favorite to really explore. Like I've done map exploration five or six times now in all of them, and that's probably my least favorite one to go through, like aesthetically. Um, even though I love the floating whale and I love the fish, the the lighted fish and stuff that are floating around the city, I think it's cool. It's just so out of place in Guild Wars 2 that I don't know if my brain's kind of melded that into the game just yet. That's a really good point. Um, I also don't like New Kining, like, a lot. I really don't like it. I like what the city looks like. I like the aesthetic. I don't like exploring it. I don't like being there. I don't think it feels like a city. It feels like a giant jade warehouse, in a way. It's hard to navigate. It takes that verticality gimmick that I criticized the heart of thorns for doing so much. Cause like every map was just such a, like, I'm like guys, like this verticality thing is really like, like I get it. It's an expansion feature, but I just felt like I, like, a, it, like I, I almost compared it to like tangled depths. Whereas like I, that map was just like eluded me for the longest time. I'm like, this map is so crazy. It's like bad. Um, where I, I, I feel like New Kining is, like, sort of the same. I'm like, how the hell do I get up here? Like, why isn't this easier? And, like, it doesn't feel like a city. It just kind of feels like there's, like, mobs running around, like, the city and just attacking people. Like, I get the meta is, you know, the jade tech is sort of failing, and, like, that's cool. I, I like the meta in that map, but... It like, I, like, it doesn't feel like people live there. It almost should have just been a city. I wish it was just like, oh, like, we're gonna do another LA. We're gonna do a hub. Because we haven't really done that since uh, Vanilla, I would have loved. Uh, I would have loved to seen it um, be a, an actual city. What were you uh, for an axe? Go for it. 
Sorry, I was going to say, you, you mentioned LA. It feels like new LA. It feels soulless. It feels like an empty vessel, right? Yeah, it feels yeah. like Disney made it or Disney on crack, maybe. It's just, it's just awful. And I think it's supposed to be. I think it's supposed to be awful. I think it's supposed to make us question why there are these horrible slums when there's so much wealth and so much power and there are so many little like gems little beautiful areas and everyone else is just living in deprivation and i think i think that's purposeful or at least i hope it is i i actually really like that point because when i first when we first kind of saw that i I forget what trailer it was when they were showing off new kinding and like you know the whale as inks mentioned was kind of featured and i instantly think blade runner and I, I made, like, a, a joke on on Reddit, and somebody didn't like it. I was like, I can't wait to see my, like, geisha girl eating, like, a mint or whatever it is, like, like in Blade Runner. Because you see all those signs everywhere, and there's there's things flying through the city. But just like you're saying, like, it's a shithole. <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of, like, has, like, nice aesthetics, but, like, the city itself is a slum. Like, the, the rich people aren't, like, living there. It's these – it's, you know, the impoverished – people i and i i think that is an aesthetic they were going for but like it and it feels like that in some places and it feels like it doesn't feel like that in others it just i wish it had a more uh, like identity like you're saying i feel like we're both on the same page there yeah i i i i guess i've been going on about this since they did it but i miss old la i think a lot of people i thought do. that place had personality and soul and it felt like it had history and this place it I, I when I when I first did a, like an analysis of the of the trailer, I thought it was the Jay Quarry, with those big blank soulless walls. I thought that this was some sort it's of big industrial area. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Not a, a, hab- a habitable city, and it feels like that now. It's it's unpleasant to be there, but I think I think for the storytelling purposes, I think it, hopefully it's meant to make you feel like that. Age, yeah. Any thoughts? Uh, it's more, yeah. Kang was is more of like that cyberpunk aesthetic, but I think the main difference is with cyberpunk, you have multiple different corporations usually, and then you have uh, scaling from the rich to the poor. Whereas here in Guild Wars, it's just like one major corporation that like makes up the city, so it takes that aesthetic. Um, I like the city for, for the kind of blending the, the Asian structure, like, uh, building structures with the cyberpunk aesthetic. I think, I think they could have done better in terms of the colors. Cause it's, it's, I feel like Jade, yeah. Okay. Jade can be like the main color, but for me going around different parts of the city, I really didn't feel like, I didn't feel the cyberpunk part of it as much like i saw the whales and stuff and that was cool but <laughs> i i didn't i didn't feel like i got the the different neon signs the different um there were some ads and stuff with the the holograms of the of the, the lady there but i didn't really feel like it's a corporation there's because if you look at a game like Cyberpunk 2077, that felt more like a Cyberpunk city to me. Uh, but yeah where's, yeah, where's my big Atari logo? Come on. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I think that was the main takeaway for me about what they could have done better with that city. 
Um, but I, yeah, I'm kind of glad we're all like on the same it. page about that because I I felt like I was gonna be I was like I like not that I'm gonna get flamed for it by any means, but like. I really don't like that map, and I was just like, I don't think everyone else agrees with me on that. So I'm glad to see, like, even even if the the opinions aren't exactly the same, they are kind of in the same ballpark. I mean, you you three are making some really good points that I wasn't really able to, I guess, put into words, vocalize. But it really does feel like a soulless city. Like there's no soul to it. Yeah, there's no people. Yeah, it's it's it just, just feels Jade empty. Brotherhood jabronis running around and like mechs and it's just like and like workers it's like where's the city part and i i think fornax is right i think it's supposed to be that way i think it's supposed to feel that way but it's almost Uh, like the story doesn't set that up properly you know there's no there's never not to sidetrack too much but did anybody else think it was weird that the empress has like very little to know hard yeah yeah Yeah. me too i thought she would be at least showing up not doing something but showing up right Mm. well they hyped her up quite a bit they did a like a character study for each and they hyped up her relationship with june and then nothing bye one scene that's it yeah living story probably and and jumping uh, jumping off of of that i i the way june was kind of posed and they do do this a little bit in, in, in the actual game that June was going to be the villain. And they do kind of pose her as this, like not villainous character, but she's doing something evil, but she doesn't necessarily know. I kind of like how they, they like, I don't really like June at all, but I like, and I think that's the point. I don't, I don't necessarily know if you're supposed to like her, uh, because she is this industrialist. It's kind of, she has like a deus ex machina thing. Like she discovers this, like this incredible god, literally like godlike technology that revolutionizes a a people, and um, you know, Saitong, we get sort of that old school Kantha vibe that we know and love, right? And like you know, just like the Asian aesthetic, it's it's pretty obvious, and there's not much technological influence there but you get to new kining it's the exact opposite right it's like the whole their whole society has been uplifted by this one thing um and i definitely got that vibe and and i and i liked it but um yeah like i i they were really like the the trailer the way they positioned the camera around her and she's like looking at the jade and she like turns around and was like oh she's the villain i was like okay that's interesting i didn't i didn't think we'd be like Maybe she's like racist or something because that was another thing I think we we will probably touch on. I was expecting the Canthans to be way more racist than they actually are. They seem very welcoming for a people who've been yeah xenophobic for a a people who've been cut off from everyone else for two hundred and fifty years. They seem like a little bit like too welcoming. I was expecting to that be a, a big tension point, especially in the beginning where it's like oh like. Who are you guys? We don't like you. <laughs> like, you're not from here. Like, you know. Uh, that minister didn't like us. I yeah, understand. but, like, then they tie him into the purists, and it's like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But not everyone is like that. And they, and But they also write that in the lore where it's like, okay, the new government has seriously put a, a emphasis on, like, fuck anything, the Ministry of Purity. Ministry of Purity. Like, they, they've almost overwritten everything. Like, you see a lot of those, like, signposts in the world where it says – Provided by, like, you know, uh, wh- whatever the ministry is that does, like, the history stuff. Like, they're clearly, like, they want their people to, like, know the 
correct version of history or the non-xenophobic racist version of it. So that was interesting, but I was almost expecting more more resistance when we first got there. Then it's like, oh, hey, what's going on? <laughs> I, I thought there was an interesting story point on with June that she at one point she's talking to the player character about how she wants to expand all of these technological operations to the rest of Krita. Mm-hmm. Yet you find out that she doesn't even have enough resources to sustain her own projects, her own cities for like another couple of months or something. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really understand, like, I, I don't know, is she just that delusional or <laughs> is she really just trying to like throw us off the case that, she's going to promise us all this great technology when in fact she already knows that it's not even sustainable for them to do nevertheless give it to everybody else um uh, i think that that is an unexpected consequence of suan and her defeat and her succumbing to the void i think i think she offers it right in the start and then I think her plans have been kiboshed by the fact that Suwon succumbed to the void and had to be. Um, and I think something in the in the prologue um, the, that Aureen um, is actually providing energy now. She's doing the conversion process to keep things ticking over while they they find a substitute. Um, I think that's the the tenor. So I, I'm, I I I agree that I think that. She is expansionist, almost imperialist in her kind of aspirations to outsource this tech and all the apparent inequality that that flows from it. I think that can be that could be quite a a sinister point that could be played upon in in future narratives. It's uh, so it's and correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe I didn't understand it fully, but I felt like before Suwan escapes, uh, before her containment is broken. Isn't she already dying, basically? Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that that was the thing, And that's right? one of the reasons she calls on Irene, because she's dying. She can't keep up whatever she's doing. Oh, I, 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 got, I got a completely different vibe from that. So I thought that the containment was allowing her to meet her, the, the energies, so that she wouldn't fall to the corruption that the others the kind of the power-hungry lunacy that, that devoured her offspring. And I thought that she was she'd, she had aspired to stay there for as long as she could. And, I mean, in, an, in, in the lifespan of a dragon, that could be the, 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 the age of an entire empire. That was my thoughts. I, I must have okay. got it wrong. I, I, I think no, it's, I don't I think, think it's you're kind wrong. Of, yeah, I don't, that's what I was going to say. I don't think you're wrong. I think it's kind of both, right? I think she would eventually yeah. expire, and the magic that she was producing was corrupted because she's cor- becoming more corrupted. I think that was the idea, right? And then Aureen needed, you know, she's like, I, you got I, you to gotta get rid of me. <laughs> kind so of she's thing. like a purification conduit for the raw magic. Right, right. Question. Yeah. Well, the machines are the... <laughs> Oh, uh, Aureen. Aureen is and the machine, I think. Because like, I thought that it was that, that oh. so Suwon was purifying, put so that it, the the energy could be used in the machines. But the machines still the the machines still had some void magic because they were fate, they were acting wonky. Right. I thought that was the reason. 
That's true, yeah. Yeah, and eventually over time it would, you know, it would just all... It was getting worse and worse. So that's that's why the, the... From my understanding, it's just the... She was in that containment to filter out the magic, yes, but also... I, th- I think everyone's right in that regard, but it was just getting worse and worse. And she, if she stayed in that containment, it just would have gotten way worse for everyone involved. I think that's why she, yeah. she had to go. Yeah. I really like that instance, by the way. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. The un- the underwater aquarium laboratory, whatever. Yeah. The facility reminded me of. Um, I'm trying to remember. Was it Jaws three when they have the underwater aquarium? It's all I could think about the entire time I was in that with the tube. <laughs> was like, where you know, where are the sharks at? Where are the, where are the uh, you know the experiments and so forth? And um, that is where we kind of my trend story kind of comes to the end. Um, I really, I, I, I was hesitant about my trend at first. I was like, oh, cool, she's back. That's that's pretty cool. We haven't seen my trend since season one. She was, wasn't really much of a character. If you know people, I feel like people misremember <laughs> my trend being anything, but just like a boss. Cause that's all she really was. Um, and like Horrocks mentioned a lot. Um, but I like how they turned her into a revenant. I feel like the revenant lore has been kind of weird. Well, not all the Aether blades, but like the Aether blades become like a revenant faction in a way. And then, like, she channels Scarlet. I was like, that was really cool. And I did get scared at first. I was like, please don't, please don't tell me we're bringing Scarlet back. I was like, she's not going to become, like, a thing, right? And I was like, oh, okay, it's just this fight. <laughs> like, good. Not that I hate Scarlet, but I was just like, why were you treading old old ground? Um, but I like how they, they explored Revenant lore and, and Mitrin coming back. And, you know, she... Um, I think it was Fornax that said, like, you know, kind of had, a, like, a hero's death, redeemed herself in a way. And I, and I really liked Anka, too. Um, and I didn't – I don't know if I expected to, like, care about that character. Even though she does kind of come and go, I just liked, like, her the, – the conflict she kind of brought on. Yeah, I think that like, Anka could have been done a little bit better, honestly. Because it, it was a good character. At the end, it's kind of like, oh, everything's just got to go, I guess. Yeah, but I like the build up. Besides that, yeah, I I, I do think Alka had a good character. I think the story behind it was really good. Um, I was kind of like half behind Alka as a character just because she was supposed to be emotionless, emotionless. Uh, but um, it it I, I feel like it. Like the ending bits could have been a little bit better in that regard. I, I just feel that way. But uh, and her and the way we uh, end with Anka is uh, wasn't didn't satisfy me in that regard. But yeah, yeah, it's a little throwaway for sure. Mm, I I so I like the the study of psychopathy, which was what it was that that lack of empathy, that lack of emotion, that lack of connection. That was, I think that they portrayed that very well. But the problem was that we never got to see the anchor that Gorik knew. So we couldn't form an, an emotional attachment. And we didn't spend long enough with the character to understand really her motivations. Because although, I mean, it's interesting for Batman, some people just want to watch the world burn. But 
Yeah, but that's not something. But you've got an opportunity in an MMO. It's almost like a serial. You can really go deep and explore the character and give people a reason to give a shit. And I, I think that that's where they fall down consistently. So either have these dramatic, moving, terrible, like, stories with the characters that we care about, like Timey and Bram. Timey could have met her um, untimely end at this point, and Inks would very much like that. Um, yes, I know. Um, <laughs> and that, but we would, but that would have been something that we cared about. Instead, we get the introduction of of a character who, of several characters who just die, and yeah. we're not given the opportunity to care about them. I want to care. I'm in. I'm, you got my money. You got my time. Give me a reason to give a shit. You know. It's really interesting because um, going back to Heart of Thorns, when Air dies, my problem with her death was that I cared about Air because I read the books about Air before playing the game. Um, and then, of course, I had the core experience with Air. I, I cared about that character. I had more investment in it. But then they gave her a really crappy death. She can't dodge out of the way of this thing that's coming like too inches per yeah like you know (laughs) just a bad death and we have the reverse here where as fornax is saying i'm not invested in these characters even my trin i'm not fully invested in because she was a footnote on season one really She, she really wasn't that prominent um of a character so it's hard to get attached to somebody you know very little about or that you have very little interaction with other than a fractal, you know, fight or whatever. Uh, and Anka, even even worse, because she just appears suddenly. And um, I think it's, it's interesting here. I actually liked Anka's voice actor. She doesn't sound like any other Asura, but she's not supposed to because that's what makes her stand out. Right. She's not supposed to have the whiny high pitch whatever voice of the, that most of Sarah do the the flunt voice or the timey voice you know um so i liked that about her um and i and i liked her one line whatever like oh sights off and then she shoots her again right um so i liked that about the character but you know you just don't get enough time with them so that when they die you're just like okay they had a cool death finally but i don't care about them you know it, it's yeah. like uh, Marjorie's sister is another great point. I don't care about Marjorie's sister. I, Marjorie, I, I agree. I'm glad you brought that Marjorie up. cares about her sister, and the game makes a very big deal out of that whole thing. There's even like a, a quest yeah, uh, to go around afterwards, which I haven't finished yet, but to go around with Marjorie and talk about their childhood, basically. Um, but you meet her sister for all of two seconds, and then she's dead, and it's like, eh, eh, oh, well, what? She's she's as important to me as all the other dead soldiers in this area are to me as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they never pay off the sword. They never pay off the sword. They have this whole no. cutscene. Yeah. Oh sword. my god! Why right. is why yeah. isn't she here? So we we come to Kayang City. Her sister's spirit comes out because as you as she says in the like the opening, her sister was uh, deeply interested in their camp and culture and the history of their people. Why isn't the sword a part of that? They've got this device that they're just not using it's it's kind of disappointing this is kind Mm. of i find an issue with guild wars storytelling in general um that 
they don't really have a lot of avenues to tell you side stories or like have a side quest or any sort of side plot to tell you this stuff that isn't the main quest line. Because like imagine if it's World of Warcraft, it's it's just a side quest. You don't have to do it, but it's there. Um yeah, and I feel like, you know, dungeons would be a great avenue to tell stories in. Um, I feel like they have gotten better at it, but, like, it is just like, yeah, there are a lot of plot holes and plot threads and plots just kind of left in the wind because they just really don't have the avenues to tell those stories well. Um, yeah. You know, everything I, can't be a collection. I think in particular, uh, the Anka My Trin one, that's a huge one because there's a huge turning point for both of them because they're literally killing themselves in the mist over and over trying to get ship parts. And my Trin yes. has, has, has this, I like just had pulls a 180. And it's like, Oh, this is like terrible. I'm having a change of heart. Anka just becomes more and more emotionless. Like that's a big, big turning point. And that's something that, was just stated, but not really conveyed seriously. Like, that's a serious thing. I'm glad you brought that up because, like, I'm a DC fan. You know, I know what it means when the Flash goes back in time to do something with himself. Like, how can you just keep going back in time and killing yourself to, like, get things? Like, it, I, like I liked – I, I kind of mentioned it earlier. I liked the Revenant lore that they brought in. But, look, right, it's, like, not fully explored. It's like, okay – and like Fornax is saying in the very beginning, I have more questions than I do answers. And I, I feel like it's just Guild Wars 2 and kind of like Guild Wars 2 narrative in a nutshell. I just have more questions. You just didn't give me the answers to all these things that you opened up. Um, Actually, Age, I completely forgot about that because that's you get that law clicking on items um, in the Tone province, don't you, around the, the, the ship. Why yeah. Why don't they yeah. let us play that? That sounds absolutely horrifying and fascinating. Why isn't that like a, a, a thing that we can jump into and explore as as a playable area, watching them and the consequences and how their characters like change, or at least have a cutscene of some description where you, you see the kind of the mental degradation that happens when someone is confronted with these kind of alternate realities of each other. And it's almost like it's almost like committing suicide over and over. It, it, I mean, that sounds horrifying and fascinating and something that is narratively could be very gripping. But we get it as a as a interactable object, right? It's it's yeah. a missed opportunity, right? Yeah, yeah. That could have been like a memory fragment type of deal. So like you have three stages of it, for example. So the first stage is like when they're actually considering for the first time, then the middle part, and then like near the ends when they have all the ship parts type of deal. Yeah, that could have been so, a, that yeah. could have been a cool cutscene, and I I did want to mention the cutscenes because the cutscenes are definitely improved from what we've seen in the past, but. There's always that. I mean, it's hard to not compare, especially like other MMOs. I'm not sure about Final Fantasy 14, so if you guys want to bring that in, you you can because I can't. But like comparing it to like WoW cutscenes, it's like when is ArenaNet going to get on that level where like they're not Blizzard level, but like they're good and like I'm not really complaining about certain aspects of it. Like in with with ArenaNet's cutscenes in in EOD, it's kind of like. The faces look good. The like the hands kind of look weird. Like there's still kind of like weird parts going on. But like I like what they did. But like I wish it was the next level because Guild Wars Two is it's not looking dated, but like in certain aspects are dated. If that makes any sense. Uh, games from 2012 
well earlier since like, you know they're developing it. Uh, I think Blizzard has changed their engine for a while over time, whereas like yeah. I think we're just getting DirectX eleven, DX eleven. So it's like I think no, actually no, they did up updated their engine like twenty fifteen, I think, for Hearthlands. Uh, I don't somewhere around that time, but yeah, I get what you mean. Um, as a as a avid Final Fantasy fourteen player, I can honestly say that as much as I love Guild Wars, and I do genuinely love Guild Wars, played it for years. In terms of its of its narrative storytelling, it just blows every other game out of the water. I'm sorry, not necessarily the narrative delivery, because oh my god, they need to just voice act everything. That is so fucking annoying. Just commit. You could have the most played MMO in history if they just took the time to voice act everything, right? Mm, um, yeah. I'm so brutal. Sorry, guys. No, no <laughs> um, you're, you're, these points are great. Oh, They're right. I, I totally understand. A friend of mine who's playing through Final Fantasy, he, he started off with like the first game, the first experience, the, the base game, then uh, Heaven Sword, was it? And then like, yeah, and now like a month later, he's on the latest expansion. It's crazy. Like oh. he's re- he's really enjoying the story. It, it so what what Final Fantasy does that other games don't is it doesn't. It's not just there for the highlights. You have and and the and also oh god, so how how do I put this? So it follows the character through the highs and lows. So there are cutscenes for those big bombastic boss fights and the big dramatic moments, but they're also there for the quiet like moments where these where these characters are processing what's happened and dealing with their own feelings and how the world's changed and and they feel like real human beings and you can empathize with them more and this goes the same for the from from villains to heroes you, they they tell it in such a way as you understand the point of view you can understand the logical steps this character has has gone through to get to the point where they're doing what they're doing whether you agree with them or not is a separate thing you actually understand the character progress and they and they give it the time that it deserves everyone else seems to just be rushing through the story and trying to like hit the high notes and the clip notes version of this so that we can get to the big boss mechanics and the big and it's because i think that Final Fantasy is decided completely and utterly that everything that happens in that game is in service of the story. From the crafting system to the PvP to everything, all the raids, everything is 100% in service of the story. And it hasn't, and, and to their credit, the game mechanics are fantastic as well, but the story is, is everything. But Guild Wars 2 has not decided what it is doing. It's trying to be the everyman, all things to all people. And I think they just need to pick a lane. And I think that that way they'll, they'll, they'll be able to, to, to like hone it and focus it to give it what they want. So if they're not really interested in story, you be honest about it, you know? If it's a clip notes version, be honest about it. Well, can you extrapolate on all, all the lanes? So they're trying to satisfy all lanes? Sorry, so they're trying to be everything to everybody. So they're trying to have uh, the best PvP and they're trying to have um, raids, which they completely fall apart on. And they're trying to have big dynamic open world, but they don't give enough time to do the in-game storytelling. And it, it's just... Yeah. Having pl- yeah. 
Final Fantasy has completely fucked me because it's shown me <laughs> how fantastic story can be in gaming and everything else. It, it's kind of it 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 shows that just like the gaping holes in the in the web of story that they tried to tell. What's really interesting about that is, depending on who you talk to, some people might say that Guild Wars Two is very story driven because that is what the living stories are all about. And yet they're not, like you said, they're not completely committed to making that work for some reason. I can't quite grasp why that is because all of their content that is added always has to do is always like story is the driving force and everything else is sort of secondarily added or addressed or never addressed, unfortunately. So it's it's interesting that they're story driven um, content updates that are half heartedly sort of done. I mean, maybe it's a lack of imagination. Maybe they feel like they can't do the depth of storytelling um, because of the constraints of, of the of the mechanical side of it. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's an off balance between delivering interesting, entertaining uh, events in game and the story. It's just it can be done, and not every single thing that the character does has to be related to a combat event. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 For and sure. as long as there's a skip button for people who aren't that into the story, as long as there's a skip button, you could you could have much deeper, much more interesting, much more involved stories. Um, Why can I not skip so many of the cutscenes and killers? Too? Oh my god, replaying like doing the return achievements. Yeah. The, the, yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> I didn't realize how badly some of like like Guild Wars Two is aged. Going back to playing those instances, I mean, this is an End of Dragons, but um, yeah, I'm sure as you're playing End of Dragons for the you know the fourth or the fifth time, you're like, all right, <laughs> I don't need to hear all of this. and you know it's funny because a lot of what has come after our initial assessment for the most part sounds rather negative yeah but (laughs) for for me for me people need to understand that these are nitpicky things um yes all this stuff bothers me and yes i think they can improve in all these different ways but it was still an overall enjoyable experience for myself um i really hope you know, Scarlet is is this weird character who um, was just never properly written. I don't feel like a lot of the reason why I dislike Timey is the way she's written, the way she's portrayed, the way she always has the answer, the way she, you know, um, though that's what annoys me about Timey. It's not her sickness, her character, or whatever that doesn't really draw empathy for me, unfortunately, which sounds really terrible, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it sounds really bad, I know, but uh, it's she always has the answer to everything, you know? It's like, well, what are we going to do? Don't worry, Commander, I've got you covered. It's like, oh, my God, no. You, how do you always have the answer? You can't, but she does. For, for some of that story, uh, the last couple of years, they've really backseated her, which has been more enjoyable. But her, one of her underlining things has always been this undefined illness, this undefined sickness, which is uh, slowly draining the life out of her, and, and it's going to kill her. At least they made it sound like it was going to kill her. In that one trailer. But she goes awesome. to End of Dragons, 
yeah, they even made a trailer where she looks sorrowful and whatever. Right. So uh, to tug on the heartstrings. But then she goes to EOD and she puts on this bionic man suit that uh, June has invented. And boom. It's Iron Man time. Everything is solved. Yeah, she's got her own Iron Man suit. She yep. doesn't. She no longer has any of the problems or worries. We can just forget about the illness now, I guess. It's like, what? Yeah. That was that was an underlining and underpinning part of her character, and you just hand-waved it away with an Iron Man suit. Are you insane? I, yeah. I 100% agree with you. Sorry, Kat. No, so no, no, I'm no, a disabled person. I'm a disabled person. And, um, yeah, so at the, the very end... When you can talk to them in the instance um, at the very end of the story, I don't want to spoil it too much, but there's a there's a there's a line that she said with the technology, um, I'm I have so much more mobility, and the rest of it, meaning her short, painful little life, she she can just learn to live with, was what she said at the end. I was like, who wrote that line? Who who wrote that line? Holy shit balls! So, so that just like Guys. like sort of like a personal question that just bothers you because you're all you're also in like a similar perspective and you're just like what? <laughs> I mean, so there is you as a person living with a with a, a long term condition that's untreatable. Yeah, there is a certain amount of you come to terms with it, but the glibness, the glibness, it was so unearned. If if she'd gone through this story and we'd seen her battling with her, her, her disability, we'd seen her kind of overcoming it, getting a new lease of life with the technology, and actually it was a proper story arc where we could empathise and see her journey and appreciate that her mental state had improved, that even though she was having a difficult lot, yes, she feels better now, She, she she's come to terms with it. But we don't get that. We see her one minute she's limping, the next minute she's got some jade tech, and then, oh, apparently everything's all right. It, it For me, it that's was, a bit It was, was stark. It was just like, yeah, oh, yeah I'm good. Yeah, that's Sorry, true. Guys. <laughs> like, and, and not only that, but there's no consideration for... At, you know, at one point in the story, she's sort of hum, she's sort of back and forth. You know, do I help the commander? To, do I betray June because she's become my friend and all this stuff? Don't you think that at some point in that you would think if I betray June, is she going to take my suit away? Am I going to live in crippling pain again without this if I betray her? And oh, that yet, would be such a good thing for them to do, wouldn't it? Yeah, and yet that thought or that. That, that never enters the conversation for her. It's just like, oh, it's a loyalty thing. Do I remain loyal to the commander or do I remain loyal to my new best friend that is a nerd like me? <laughs> Even though my new best friend nerd gave me Superman suit or Iron Man suit, excuse me, and now all of my crippling pain is gone and apparently everything is good. Oh, a good angle, yeah. And, and maybe that trailer that we brought up, maybe it's hinting towards what we're going to get in Living World. Maybe they're going to explore that because it, it it ultimately did see like like why did they like tease up this like time he's going to die thing <laughs> if time he doesn't actually like die or anything happens to her that is remotely bad, you know? Yeah. Well, Living World is definitely going to be in Cantha because there's yeah at least the uh, first map is because uh, I noticed. At launch, there was one level 80 map under Saitome Province. Uh, and then, after, like, a few patches later, I saw a whole bunch of different zones that they added, like, part, as part of Echoval Walls. Uh, there's a there's a northern part called uh, uh, Great Turtle Sanctuary or something like that. Uh, so we're definitely going to be living story there. 
Um, but just to backtrack a little bit, I do want to say that I do feel like uh, I agree with Hornax's statement about the focus of the game because personally, I feel like Arianet should focus on the pillars of their game. So that would be open world PvE, uh, end game PvE, uh, end game PvE, uh, PvP, and Warverse World. So in terms of the PvE, you can focus that in terms of the story and and concentrate that around your story and make content based around the story. So traditionally, that would be like dungeons, fractals. Uh, well, I guess fractals for Guild Wars Two raids. Uh, but I think mostly it's going to be strikes now because that's what it seems like all the side story is tied to. But kind of um, happy about that, by the way. Yeah, I fell out uh, of raids hard, very hard. Well, it, it went from five man dungeons to fractals, which I think wasn't a bad idea because it allows you to tell any type of story because it's part of the mess. And then into raids, which is ten man content, and then we just cycled back around to ten man dungeons. So it's 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 good, I guess. Ten man <laughs> one boss dungeons. Yeah, yeah. So I would love but, dungeons back. <laughs> I'll say yeah, that all day. I, I don't know. Yeah. But I I do feel like Arena does need to focus on on its pillars of the game and not just like one at any one time. Because that has happened in the history of development when it comes to Guild Wars 2. Uh, but I do like the idea of focusing it around story because you could just bake, make content around that, even with World Wars World or PvP. So. I, and I did, I did want to ask Inks, I'm not sure what you, what you do in regards to PvP and World Wars World, but I know Age does, and same with you, Fornax. I'm not sure where where your interests are into that, but like has. Like, what's the state of PvP in War vs. World with EOD? I feel like I'm not really hearing much about it as somebody who doesn't really participate in the content all too much. But I'll assume from that reaction it's not there yet. I know no, there's some I'm, stuff coming. I'm joking. So structured <laughs> PvP, um, the EOD specs are making a much larger impact than a lot of people thought that it would. So that's kind of a good thing Okay. for some of the, spec, for some of the specs anyway. Others, there's like... Something like Willbender, which is not really necessarily in a bad place, just doesn't have a spot in the meta right it now. It ain't so Firebrand. I'll so you, you don't see it anywhere, really. Yeah. As in, right now, you're seeing Spectre getting highly abused, as long as as well as Mechanist. Um, both of those are likely to see nerfs, I think. Um, here's the thing with PvP. Spec-wise, they're not, it's not in a terrible, terrible spot, I don't think. Um, the problem is the format itself needs reinvigoration and it needs more participation. And somebody like Mighty Teapot, for example, or Rom, who's also doing tournaments, Roy, who's doing some tournaments, all these guys who organize these tournaments really is where the lifeblood of PvP is going to come from. Absolutely. That, that, along with good balance, is what is going to reinvigorate it if they can. If, if it will. Um, I watched the monthly AT yesterday and it was actually, um, it was actually some really good matches. The problem is that they were really good matches for two reasons. Rank 55 dragons, half of them didn't play and the other half split off into two different groups. So you didn't have one dominating force out there really stomping face all over the place. 
Not to say, I mean, on EU, there are several other teams who are nearly as good um, or who, who have players of that caliber. NA is sort of the opposite. You've got two fairly strong teams and not much else. So NA needs more development, obviously, in that team sort of format. EU is actually in a decent spot, but um, you really need somebody to come together and organize tournaments in order to, to keep that scene alive. As far as World vs. World, um, I haven't seen a whole ton of chatter one way or the other. It's kind of just maintaining itself right now, waiting for alliances, which we're supposed to get another beta of that soon. Uh, as far as the specs go, I think people are still playing around. Nobody's really settled on necessarily any kind of ridiculous nonsense that I've seen. Um, <laughs> I could be wrong. Uh, yeah, I could it's a good be way to put because, it. Because I don't follow it super well. And, and GBG, yeah. I, unfortunately, I, I really don't have any ties to. But um, World vs. World's biggest thing is they're still waiting on alliances. Yeah. And so that's going to be the biggest determining factor for... I guess how successful going forward that is. Yeah, I play quite a bit of World v. World. Oh, cool. I'm not hugely into PvP. Um, I'm a bit too shit for that. Uh, but <laughs> I can I can hide my inadequacies in a big group. So that's that's where I that's where my comfort zone is. Um, Dope. And so the general consensus from the people who who do the maps is that holy shit, where has the love been for World v. World? Come on, For the sure. least loved child, right? Of, of yeah, and that's why I phrase it the way I did because I just like I used to play those game modes, but I just I just don't I just don't really care about them. And I'm glad I have some people on this podcast who do because I can't speak yeah. to that. So they they like so the the, the commanders that, that that I knock about with and that are in my guild. I'm in a specific Wolfy World guild called Blob. Hi, Blob. Um, they I think that they're just. They're hanging on by a thread because they need new maps. They need new interesting mechanics in there. They, they, they see all these mounts being introduced into the game. They don't, they're not allowed to use 90% of them. Tell me why they can't use the water mount. Explain to me what super advantage could be given by being able to skim across the water. Just speed, right? You know? Other than that, yeah. I mean, it's not like game breaking, right? Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I was like, it's not a big deal. A lot of water, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like, all right, mount up for three seconds. (laughs) Okay, and and of course, right. So, what is me as a person who 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 is in the Zerg rather than running the Zerg? What I would like is to have, you know, so they've got the Miss map, which is in a separate universe altogether. Have a wild card map. Throw some of the mounts in. Go YOLO. Let them see what they do. See how they fuck up the game by having all these different mounts in. You could have one a month. Let them have springers. See how wild it would be. Let them have let them have the dragon, um, the sky scale. See what it would do with the mechanics. And then build a new map around the mechanics so that they can actually take advantage of all these fantastic mounts, best mounts in any MMO. And let them play with them in certain maps and build the maps around how they broke your original maps. And and, and let it be an iterative um, communal process with the people who are keeping this least love dead horse on life support by playing the games, right? Because it's totally unique. It is a, is a it is an incredible kind of mashup of 
of of player raiding versus environmental mechanics right and it's it's incredibly interesting it's su- it could be a super vibrant mode it could bring in it, it certainly brings in a nub like me who won't touch i've got a, like a card from my dead mother saying i never have to do pvp okay but it's got me in there to actually <laughs> do some player versus player action so yeah it needs some love it needs some reinvention they need to just nut up and and put and throw some maps in there that are completely off the ball and just let the the community show them how they fuck it up so that they can build better maps for the community that's my thought i love the passion and the hot takiness of your <laughs> statement that's all thank you <laughs> no problem. this is why i'm not allowed to go in jedburgh anymore because i swear too much anyway carry on. Yeah, just got it that's where the passion comes out in the curses you know that's where it comes out age you agree disagree uh... where you at uh uh okay so uh with it uh honestly with pvp i've uh i haven't really played since 2016 i've i've gone in there for a total of like five times two times just to get into my bank inventory real quick (laughs) um but uh i the reason I, i stopped playing pvp is just because it became solved for me Solved, uh, there was no solved. Solved. So, okay. so for me, it's just like I would go in, I would play, I would win. It's like okay, I it's like, I know how to play the game. So it's <laughs> like there's no real challenge for me. There's nothing there to make me go like oh, I need to play differently. Like I was at a point where I was queuing with like past pro players. Um, so so it's like. I know that I can play at a high level, so it's mm-hmm. it's not really a big deal for me. So it's like, and and when uh, Pathfire came out, Dead Eye wasn't as uh, popular, so people a lot of people were Dead Eye Devil. So I was like, okay, well, uh, I do have a Dead Eye build that I could probably use. But anyway, um, but yeah, I think with PvP, my gripe is that. There's nothing for PvP players to work towards because when it comes to ranked, the only thing that you have to work towards is a title, which honestly doesn't entice me. If it had a specific color, maybe. And like the, and the, the back piece, right? You have to do ranked for that? So the, if I the, remember the back, correctly, it's been a while. Yeah, so the back piece initially, which I thought was a great idea, is that every year – you can work towards getting the back uh, a back piece. So uh, minimum, you had to play two seasons, and you could get the back piece. But you had entire, basically, an entire year to get the back piece. Kind of like in League of Legends, where you play a season and you get a reward if you, you know, got gold. But in this case, if you just put in the effort, you you get the back piece. So I put in the effort and I got the back piece. I'm like, yeah, this symbolizes that I played in the first year of you know ranked pvp this is my accolade and what they did is that they reneged on that and said oh if you just play the two seasons or enough and get all the achievements you'll get the back piece no matter what so for the past i don't know 20 seasons now you could just get that back piece and they didn't add a year-to-year back piece and that kind of took away a part of the reason why i play pvp there's nothing there for me yeah, and then progression nowadays the, is, is just really important. Yeah, like Apex there, with their with their yeah. seasons. We both play Apex, so we know you know. Yeah, and then 
with the PIP system, I don't, I don't think I have to tell people about that, but it's like you could lose your way to completion with that, which is not the greatest. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. And I, 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 I agree getting people into PvP could be a good, is a good thing, but there has to be something for PvP players and of themselves. And it kind of goes back to with ArenaNet trying to satisfy everyone. Uh, yeah, I think that that's like a core crux issue with the game. I, I, I don't know if I said that earlier, but I'm like, yeah, I'm like, this is like, it's fine that the conversation went that way beyond EOD, but like, this is an issue with Guild Wars that just like, it always comes back is this issue. Yeah. It's like, well... It's not a fully focused game, and it trickles into these negatives trickle into every lane, as Fornax put yeah. it. Yeah. Can I, can yeah. I ask a question, H? Mm. As a, as a because I'm I'm like your polar opposite. I am just deeply shit at the mechanics, um, and PvP in general. Um, I broke my keyboard once. I'm not allowed to play. I I'm just oh. too emotionally invested. Um, would them having a money a money based tournament, a real esports, big dick on the table, money in the pocket, would that do it for you? Would that bring you back to the to the to the sport in inverted commas? And and do you think that that would revitalize it if they actually had a proper league with money and balls on the table? Well, they did have a proper league, but um... they did. I think I think when they had the league, it was the highest point of PvP. I think that was legitimately the highest point of PvP. There was a lot of interest. Was that during Hot? Um, yes, actually, it was. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know if it would now because I don't really know who's. I I really don't know if there's any new faces in PvP. I don't know them, but. Uh, it's hard to say for me because I feel like you need to generate that interest first. And I think with the introduction of PvP League and Ranked, that was the highest point of gain, gaining interest in PvP because there was a lot of people that played PvP at that time that did not play PvP. Um, <laughs> yeah, for, for me personally, I'm too old for esports at this point, but... Uh, never. What? Age is just a yeah. a number. Age. <laughs> age. Age is just a number, but you know, generally, the the age that you play in esports is usually uh eighteen nineteen twenty. Yeah, it's, like it's 18, wild how to, how a like young to twenty five thing it is. It is kind of strange. yeah. There are exceptions to the rule. Like I know in Apex, it's it's a lot uh, older. Uh, uh, like the 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 age gap is wider, but um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it wouldn't bring me in just because you know I have a full time job and all that stuff. But yeah, uh, uh, I don't have the time to dedicate to hardcore PvP being the best type of deal at that time. I think that's why it it's for a younger audience. Um. It's really hard to say if if a money thing would bring PvP back to a higher standard. I think it it would kind of like you know come from like a want of the devs. Like the devs clearly like they really wanted to inject that life into it. 
I feel like they could, but like they're just not. It's almost. It's also how much you want to invest, right? Right. And that's because again they, it comes back to the they, lane thing. <laughs> they invested a lot uh, with the the PvP league that they did, like a lot, so much that uh, like PVE players started complaining because they weren't getting support for the game. You know, <laughs> like that's that's how much they invested in it. So yeah. Do you but, not think that with uh, the um, with the kind of recommitment with that big blog post that we're probably going to be talking about a bit later on with their commitment to the game going on, the expansions coming out, the, the absolute their, their dedication to the game? Do you not think that that could filter through to the other game types? You mean revitalize the other game types or just PvP? Yeah, yeah. In, well, PvP will be well. Do you, do, you, do you not think that that's going to be, the equal love is going to be shown for all the types? That's a good question. Um, so, okay, with World versus Worlds, restructuring on the, the alliance system definitely comes first. It's an invisible thing, so it's going to appear... The, the best thing about that is that there's just more people at more times. So that's really good for World vs. World in and of itself because the reason I only play during XP bonus weekends or during restructuring betas is because there's more people. There's more, peop- there's more fights going on. Uh, other, uh, further beyond that, they have to implement, I think, events that are very different. And I think... Uh, you touched on it with Edge of the Mist. I think that's a good place to add events because you know if you want to play the event, you go there. If you don't want to, you want to play Standard World vs. World, you just go to the other three maps, four maps. Um, I do think they need to relook at Siege. I, there's a, they need to look at game flow and what they can change the dynamics because I think how long has it been? It's like seven years since any of that has ever changed. So that that's what needs to be looked at uh, with PvP. I already mentioned those things that I feel like needs to be taken a look at. I don't know if bots are still an issue. I don't know if win trading is still an issue, but maybe they'll look at those things. Um, with endgame PvE, I think they just need to support that game mode. And I also want to know if they're going to support fractals or raids because we heard about strikes every single time, but we haven't heard anything about fractals or raids or where that's going. Uh, we know they're not making dungeons, but are they not going to make fractals I, I, or raids? I think, I think they're so. not going to make raids because that's what strikes are now. Yeah, so I don't know. I, if they I, I need really to say hope that. they don't because I yeah. uh, raids – I. I don't know. I, I, w- I would like them to say it. That's that's True. the only thing. Yeah. Um, and with open world PVE, uh, that gets into the whole thing of the the casual versus elitist thing. I, I guess I don't I don't know at this point. They just it drives me up the wall when I see that come up because I feel like when it comes to open world PVE, it's. It's weird because in traditional MMOs, you usually get gear. It's it's more of a vertical progression thing. But because Guild Wars 2 is horizontally progression-based, you should be able to do content regardless of your gear to a certain extent, obviously. Like if you're going in full tank, like you can't you know beat a boss, I guess. But, or it'll take you forever. But... Yeah, I don't know. It gets into this whole weird 
thing of like everyone's either one side or the other or like in between but like you know like they see both sides and all that stuff it gets really crazy but for my philosophy i think you should be able to do content no matter what you're geared to a certain extent that's that's pretty much it i don't know if i answered the question <laughs> <laughs> i think it was a bit of an open question and i apologize for fucking you up my, no, my apologies. No, no, that's fine. That that's the, that's my opinion about those game modes. Uh, I think. Oh, I remember the question. Will Arenet follow up on the? Um, I I really just have to see because I've been waiting for years for Arenet to follow up on any of these. Really. <laughs> so right. if if they show me in the next year or two that they're actually going to dedicate the time to it, yeah, then I'll say yeah for sure. But they it seems like they want to. And it's, yeah. it feels weird because I I have I instantly had more faith that they would when Colin and Grouch came back. Yeah, so. you're literally echoing the the sentiments that I've seen in my in my in the comments under my videos where people are like, I will I want to believe that they're going to give the care and attention to these other game types to PvP and World World. I want it, but I'll believe it when I see it because they've just been burnt to a crisp by promises and unfulfilled potential for so long. Yeah. Yeah. It's it it's one of the reasons I, I don't stream World of World as often as I do anymore because like I'm just gonna burn myself out because it's the same thing I've been doing for years. Yeah, I, I, I feel like this is like a big this is a funny how this this came up. because um, I feel like I became disillusioned with the game at a certain point in time. Um, specifically, and, and it, it happened really because like arena that's changes, like after the whole Jessica price controversy, like I noticed I was just like uninterested in the game. And I feel like that was a very low point for a game. So that was probably like what? 2017 2018 eventually 2019 where like arena net was kind of up in the air. The layoffs happened, like a bunch of stuff was happening to them. And I feel like the game just kind of went on ice for me. I stopped playing for maybe like a year and a half, two years. And then I finally came back for like end of dragons hype. I played ice brood saga in a very strange way where it was all out. And I went episode by episode, got all the achievements moved on. Like I did everything I could. Like I, I experienced the content sort of in my own way. Um, but I, but I, I as a PVE player just kind of became like very like, critical to a point where i was just annoyed with everything and i feel like that's just where world v world and pvp folks are all the time and like i see that but i don't really experience it right i i i like tangentially know but i'm not really living in those worlds all that much so it doesn't really affect me i just became I think it's funny Go, sorry i was no, gonna go say ahead. i think it's funny that that kind of depth of emotion and frustration comes from love I, I was going to bring that up. I'm so fucking happy you just said that because it's like, yeah, I'm I'm a very like emotional and passionate person. And it, it the only reason I am so negative about it is because I like it so much that I'm that annoyed by it. And I, I would feel like that's usually when I hate on something. It's usually where it's coming from. Uh, it's not really just like unwanted rage. But and like I, I, I created like Guild Wars 2 lore videos for a while and I just became like I'm like. I just didn't love it as much as I did, so I stopped. And, and like my videos are still up there, and they still do kind of well. And I was like, 
you know, happy I was doing them, but they took so much time and I was just like, you know, Guild Wars 2 story. Like it just isn't cutting it for me at that point in time. But yeah, it really, it really does just come from a love from the game. And that's why I stepped away for two years and I came back on my own accord, on my own time, doing the game the way I wanted to play it, not just up oh, new expand or not new expansion, new patches out, gotta play, gotta play. Like I was just like, I, I can't do that anymore. So I'm curious when jumping a little bit ahead, like, you know, um, when the, this next season of Living World does come out, how I'll end up consuming it. Because I feel like I don't want to get there again. I Even though I like sometimes it's like for End of Dragons, I want to be in the hype with everyone else in the conversation, in the zeitgeist. Uh, like that that's kind of really important to me. And there's like a FOMO aspect too. Like I want to be in the conversation. That's always fun, right? Like Elden Ring right now. Like if you're not in that conversation, like I, I'm sure as hell you're feeling a little bit left out because everyone is just talking about it so much. Um, it's not, <laughs> it's not like super similar, but like you get the idea, right? I'm with, I'm with inks. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys are like, you don't like the turtle and the dog memes. You guys just don't want to know what that's all about. <laughs> I can learn to live with that. Yeah. I can, I can learn sure. to live without whatever that is. It I, looks, it looks amazing, but it looks horrifically difficult yeah. and I'm deeply rubbish. So you gotta you gotta know your limits, right? <laughs> yeah, I I did want to transition in talking about the professions and the elite, well, the elite specs, um, just to hear what you guys are playing and what you have played and what you like and dislike about what you've played. Um, uh, I've just since I get main guardian, I'm playing Will Bender in a Firebrand, and that just upsets me. <laughs> I, I I love that I picked the profession that is just like on top all the time. <laughs> uh, I I really love that about Guardians because I don't have to worry. But with Will Bender, when I was a power Will Bender, when I was going through the story, I was like so upset. I was like, God, it's not good at all. And then I switched over to Condi. I'm like, okay, it's better. But uh, what are you guys playing? Um, what what's your thoughts about them? Age, do you want to start? Uh, well, to no one's surprise, I'm playing Spectre. Yeah. Uh, Assumed as so, much. So, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I've only played it in PvE. I'm just, I'm theorizing builds for World right now. But, uh, it's, it's not bad. I mean, like, its main focus is Torment. You just, like, stack it, and then you put on other condies, and then it's just, you know, people, things die. It's great. Uh, I feel like a squishy Scourge at points, but just, like, with less AoE, which is probably a good thing, honestly. Um, I know engineer has been playing Spectre and has been enjoying that So uh, in PvP, so I, I guess it's still pretty good. Um, I, I don't know, I don't know how it would play, honestly, as, because with Thieves in PvP, you're playing as, like, the roaming type, so I don't know if he's still doing that. Uh, in World Wars World, I think it'd be okay. Uh, the main problem I have is that, uh, I don't know how it'll fare in large group content or raid content, things like that. Uh, that was my main fear because it's supposed to be a healing spec at the same time. So I've been playing it mostly Condi, 
but as and like with complementary healing, but as like a main healer with like supp- a complementary condi, I don't know how that fares because you're mostly single target. I think you can do some AOE healing, but I'm a little concerned about how that's going to be because every other healing spec in the game, like Tempest or Druid or um, Ventari like that has AOE healing on it for the most part. So I don't know how it measures up. I don't know if one's better than the other, or if like, if you want to challenge yourself healing wise, you would take Spectre. So those are my initial thoughts after playing it. Thanks. So surprisingly, I am taking a very different approach this time around where I'm playing most of the, Elite specs. I started out with Revenant, although I didn't play the Elite spec of the Revenant because Condi Rev slash um, RR Rev is still really great for uh, raids and so forth. And I could just take that through the story, which is exactly what I did. So the first Elite spec I actually played was uh, Catalyst, believe it or not. Which I was loving. I was loving Quickness Catalyst. Oh, God, it was so much fun. <laughs> um, it really was. It was doing really good damage. I was giving like 100% quickness uptime. Just a lot of fun, which I didn't expect to have because I'm not really an elementalist player most of the time. But I really loved Catalyst. Then they nerfed it. Then I deleted the character. Um, I have another elementalist, so it's not a big deal. I'll, I'll remake it because Tuesday, I think they're going to rebuff it again. They're supposed to rebuff it. We'll see how yeah, that 29. turns out. Then I played Spectre. And again, this is all in PvE context. Right. I, 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 really, I was in PvE context. Too. I, I haven't really been, I haven't taken them into PvP or World vs. World, really. Um, I have my World vs. World mainstay, which is a, a Scourge Necro. And it's still good, so I don't really mess with that. But anyway, um, I started playing um, Alacrity uh, Spectre. It's um, like Age was saying, it's not really a healer necessarily. It's really good at providing Alacrity, 100% uptime if you want. Or there's a pure DPS spec for Spectre that does insane amount of damage as well. So it's actually a really good damage dealer as well as uh, this Alacrity Uptime Keeper. So Spectre's a lot of fun. Uh, really, really love it, which again is unusual for me because I don't normally play any... Like Age is the Thief guy. I've, I've never really been an enjoyer of Thief in Guild Wars 2. Um, but I love Spectre. Spectre's a lot of fun. Uh, some people complain about like the AoE... Um, spells that like that they teleport you to the AOE, but I, that's what I love about it. I, I can reposition myself so easily with those teleports that I think it's um, a really good thing. I think people's problem is like if they misplace one, now you're in a spot you don't want to be in, but you just have to learn not to misplace them and, and place them where you want to. But yeah, Alacrity spec, it's been a ton of fun. Really enjoy that. Uh, then I played Mechanist, big popular one. Not a surprise. Uh, again, not really an engineer player, but I love, I mean, I love Mechanist. It's overpowered. It's going to get nerfed. Expect it, but just accept it because it's going to happen. It's, <laughs> it's too strong in PvP. 
Uh, it's too strong in PvE. It, it basically provides everything as far as boons goes. Plus it does a little bit of healing. Plus it does um, um, uh, barrier. It gives you a lot of barrier. So it's not like a, it's not always the best direct healer, but it's a good barrier provider. So it's more about preventative damage than necessarily heal damage. Uh, skipping back to Alacrity Spectre real quick, though, um, that has a, a really nice skill that you do heal a lot like um, like Heal Necro or, or Heal Scourge, whatever they call it. Um, Mighty Teapot's favorite, whatever, Plague Doctor, whatever, right? When you come out of the Shroud, you actually give off a large AoE heal, which is really nice. So it, it, Spectre also has a little bit of healing in there as well. But anyway, Mechanist, it's just good at everything. And right now, most people are running like two of them in their 10-man groups. And they're ridiculous. And you don't really need to have the mech do anything. And you can just kind of auto-attack and mix in some other skills. And there's not necessarily even a rotation. There's just a priority. So you just press the skills when the priority is up for them. It's not even like a set rotation, which makes playing it like even easier. Yeah, face roll. (laughs) Um, Not exactly face roll, but pretty close to it. (laughs) And then you have Condi Mechanist, which is even easier to play because (laughs) it's like mostly grenades and pistols. And that does really great DPS on the Condi side of things. Mechanist is insane. It's going to get nerfed. Expect it. Just just embrace it when it happens, and hopefully they don't hit it too hard. Because it's just that good of a spec. It, it just does everything. Um, and I know Firebrand and Scourge are really big... Um, Issues. Of, offenders. No. In PvE. Like, <laughs> don't, don't, huge, don't they're, they're huge offenders, right? And Reanette's really never done anything about it. Yeah. They tried but, to, I, but like Firebrand uh, was still all time. I... There's just no way Mech doesn't get nerfed. It's it's going to happen. I don't know when, but you know, it's coming. It. I'm trying to think. I haven't really played Harbinger. I've unlocked them all. It's just yeah, I, I kind of figured you did. <laughs> My Ranger. Um, what is the Ranger spec called? I'm trying. Uh, I don't even know the names. Untamed. I'm like it's like Soul Beast, uh, but like it's not. so <laughs> bad. It's it's you know Ranger Poor Ranger Ranger people everywhere have been complaining that. Untamed isn't even a spec because and now in PvP, uh, apparently it's not too bad. I've seen people playing it; it's pretty good. But in PvE, it's absolutely terrible. Yeah, um, I feel bad. Druid is still in there as far as raid and ten man contents go because absolutely. it's still a decent healer. Yeah. But come the summertime, they're losing their spirits, and who knows what shit that's going to take. It's got a lot of druid people pretty apprehensive. Yeah. Um, and then the other spec that people are taking now, because Druid is kind of on the outs, is now they're taking Soul Beast and they just take a couple of spirits. Because all people care about is spirits. They don't care about anything else, really, spotter, but, you know, whatever. Um, and that only affects five people now. So, and Mechanist is so good, it, it's kind of overshadowing uh, Druid. So. You'll still see Druid in there, and if, if you're a Druid player, I wouldn't worry about it. Just keep playing your Druid. But Mechanist is really elbowing its way in there and just taking the spots from people right now. Uh, it's just so good at basically everything, and it gives you so many boons. Um, yeah, it's insane. <laughs> <laughs> 
Fornax. Oh god, you want you? me to talk about this? Oh shit. Yeah. Um, I, I, so I, saying, I don't even know what you play. <laughs> so, um, I haven't played one of the new specs. Oh. Not one. Not one. I have unlocked a couple because I want the gear because I'm a magpie. But when it comes <laughs> to what I would like is to just be able to roll my fist across the keyboard and not die a lot. That's all I ask in a game. <laughs> so, um, in fairness, I have tried a bit of um, raiding. I do play a druid, so I'm glad that it's not completely forked. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I'm... All the mechanics and the stuff, I leave that to the to the boys with the spreadsheets. That's just not my bag. It's it's just not my lane. Sorry, that's that's all there no. was. There isn't anymore. <laughs> no need to apologize. I, I, I do find that kind of wild though, like as like going in expansion while well, like I'm gonna go I'm just gonna, you know, unlock Will Bender instantaneously and, and jump to it, whether it's bad or not. Um So that's interesting to hear that you just like, yeah, you're just like, oh, I'm just gonna stick with what I know. No fucks given here. I just don't care. I'm, I'm sorry. It's, it's, that sounds awful. And people come and look at my guides. Guys, you just read the instructions. It's all written down there. That's all it is. <laughs> <laughs> Do you main ranger or? Necromancer. Um, I'm, I'm playing. Um, I like the Reaper Necromancer because um, although I don't like how the screen is affected, I like going into Reaper mode and beating people over the head with my big stick. That is deeply satisfying. And I enjoy it. And the fact that Necromancer is incredibly sturdy. So if you're a new player and you're a bit shit and you're a bit slow to jump out of things, you get two health pools, it's really handy. And if you're doing the the Scourge Wells, they just do all sorts of things without you needing to really be involved too much, which is great for the disinterested person who just wants to get in there and enjoy the story and enjoy the environments. And yeah, it's different strokes, different folks. So... I know what I enjoy, and no. deeply complicated gameplay ain't it. In every other game, I'm a healer, because then I get to choose. I get to help people, which I love to do, and I get to not have to memorize some sort of button-pressing, um, like, whack-a-mole shit, which I just, my brain hates. I, whether it's my dyslexia or my ADA, I just... It, it fucks me up. So I like to be able to heal people, and I, I'm, I was kind of sad that... They don't have direct healing in this game. All this bursty stuff, if I'm stood in the wrong place and I press the wrong button, well, I've just I've just healed everything around me, which is nothing. Hooray, you know. But that's more to do with how crap I am as a player than anything to do with the, probably the mechanics. So. Interesting, though. That's, that's interesting. Yeah, it is. Because I, I, I enjoy Reaper, too, the most out of uh, the Necro Specs. Uh, as a druid, do you feel like, do you, do you enjoy that healing versus any other healer in this game or? Uh, so I like to play, I do play, um, in Wolvie World, I will go onto my elementalist and I will do the elemental horn healing and, uh, I can't remember what it's called now. I, get, I, I, I don't do build craft, so I just, I mm -hmm. say I want to do this thing, I go to a place that tells me the things that I need to equip, I do those things, I try and press the buttons vaguely in the order that it tells me to do. I don't, this is probably not the, the general experience of most gamers. I um, do I that. Think, I do that. You do that. Oh, well. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I would say so probably, much better probably now. is. I, I do not make raid builds. I just see the thing and God I try to copy people. it. 
Yeah, yeah. that's. that's but yeah, I, like... I love I love support, and I hate how when I'm playing my support character, I can only play it in group content. If I try and do any of the the casually friendly like dragon response missions, oh my god, oh <laughs> uh, I hate those oh. with a passion. They are so. Sh- I'm so glad that they've just dropped them like a the, the sack of crap. You have that they no are. idea how much time I spent. To get all those achievements in there and do the the what's the map uh, that's really hard? It's snow. Forget what map it's called. Thunderhead. No, it's it's the the dragon response mission that's Snowden drifts. The Snowden oh, drifts okay. dragon um, response mission gave made me want to pull my hair out. <laughs> that content was so bad. <laughs> so I, I think everyone kind of agrees <laughs> with your assessment. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, ArenaNet, for not continuing that. That was oh. so bad. Yeah. All that. Oh, here's the thing, though. The worst of it all. All that time as a solo player, it takes you so much longer with so much more slog, with so much more corpse running, and then you get nothing. Sweet fa for your efforts. Nothing. Yeah. You know what's funny? No- I al- I always did it with a group, and I was like very late to the party, and I was still like people are like you know you could solo that. I'm like, why would I want to do that? Like no, I popped all of them. I did not know. No. Yeah, I, I I grouped all of them, for the most part. I tried to do it alone. I'm like, this is super hard. Like, what's going on? <laughs> no, I will say I did every single one of them by myself, and it was miserable. But I did it for nothing. And that's what matters. Yeah, um, I had to play through them for the story. I didn't really do the achievements or whatever. Yeah, and I wouldn't recommend it. I thought that story step would never end trash i i would get out of i would get out of one and then it's like okay well now go do this dragon responsibility i'm like like, oh yeah Yeah, not good this is painful is this ever gonna end i felt like i did i don't know 10 15 of them i don't know how many there were or are but it felt like forever felt like an eternity yeah i when i got to that story step again i was i was in the same boat and i wasn't like too miserable about all of them but like yeah I was just like, why? Like, this is such a weird structure for the story. Anyway, um, I did want to kind of the, the last thing I did want to talk about, we didn't really talk about Echo Vault 2 too much. I, I, I liked it. I think we're all, we're all kind of in agreement there. I don't think anyone had anything super negative to say about it, but I did want to talk about Dragon's End and, um, sort of the, the conversation around that. All I'll say is it's the best meta in the game. In my opinion, I love the map. I kind of don't like how they kind of half-ass you doing it for your story step, and they go, "Oh, if you lose, you still <laughs> still still get to the end." I guess it makes sense, but like maybe there was a better way we could have done this. Maybe it could have been a dragon storm type scenario, whatever. But I, I think there's too much hubbub in the community going on around about it. It I I don't. It'll be easy in like three months. Like everyone's saying, like we'll figure it out. It'll. It'll be easy, just like all the other maps. I remember when, like, Dragon Stand was, like, two hours long? Like, this is just where we are with it. I'm glad uh, players have another option to get it, but I still beat it to get my turtle. So that's that's what I care about. What do you, what do you guys think about uh, Dragon's End? Well, how much time you got? <laughs> First of all, uh, 
How much time do you want? <laughs> the the easy thing is to say that ArenaNet screwed up by putting the turtle behind the meta. Yeah. The turtle 100%. never should have been. Not the best idea, even though the I did. The turtle should never have been behind the meta. Um, too many people were hyped about the turtle, about getting the turtle. And yeah, yada, yeah. yada, yada. Yeah, if it was it's... a secret mount, that's different. Mm-hmm. But this is a mount that you were teasing people with and showing them how it works. And so it's not comparable to like the sky scale or the Griffin or anything like that, because those were hidden. Right. And you unlock them as you secretly found out about them. The turtles were like a raptor or a bunny or whatever. Right. You should get it by playing through the story and it shouldn't be that exhausting. Um, yeah, we're snodding here. Yeah. At least the collection's not too bad, but. The collection well, is the collection is, is another thing that is a bit disappointing to me. I'll tell you yeah, why. I would I would agree. Um, it's not the feeding it 200, 250 kale or carrots or lettuce or whatever the case is. That's whatever um, material sink. But they make you go through a series of events, and I don't think it's a bad thing necessarily to ask you to do those events. But it does ask you to do a strike and you're taking um, again, once again, this is just sort of like the DE meta in the sense that you're asking people for a general mount to go into content that is not necessarily beginner friendly to, to to get into. I don't want to, I don't necessarily want to use the word casual because I think that's a, I think there's this, misrepresentation in the community that it's hardcores versus casuals when uh, what a casual actually means is people with limited time or not not very much time to invest in a video game. And I don't necessarily believe that those are the people complaining about the Dragons and Meta in the first place. I think it's those who um, just want to do open world and want to explore and want to play the story and uh, they expect a particular thing, and then suddenly you're hit with this wall of a two-hour expectation that you're likely to fail, not just one time, but many times, because, number one, you don't understand how the map works. There is an hour of preparation that doesn't need to happen now, but it did need to happen before they nerfed it. Um, and... Also, a level of organization where somebody in the crowd has to stand up and say, I will be your leader. Beyond that, that leader then has to garner your trust (laughs) to corral the rest of the people into following directions. And in Guild Wars 2, uh, it's, it's an unusual MMO in the sense that it's always been that you're playing alone next to hundreds of other people, but you're not playing necessarily with those people. And suddenly they want you to play with 50 other people and follow direction and alter your build and make sure you have CC and all this other, all this other sort of stuff and do better than just pressing one, which the combat logs are just disgusting. You know, you can make fun of them. You can laugh at them. You can cry at them, whatever you want to do. Um, I don't understand how some people play the game, and I'm not trying to make fun or make light of the situation, but just auto-attacking does a certain amount of damage. I don't know how you do less than that, but it's besides the point. Um, And then you have a different mentality of uh, when you die, they just people just stay there. 
They don't respawn because they're expecting the rest of the crowd, like every other meta almost, to carry them through to the end. And in this particular meta, because the timing is so tight or was so tight, that was just not something that you can afford to happen. And so you have people who want to be successful, who want to follow direction, who want to do all this stuff. They're getting upset with people who are playing the game like they've always played, not understanding that that behavior is not acceptable in this um, arena of this difficult boss that you have to fight. And then even when you get the turtle, they're now expecting you to go into a 10-man instance and fight another semi-difficult lengthy engagement and unfortunately what happens here is those people don't necessarily learn they pay somebody else in-game materials to drag them through the content where they have a friend that drags them through the content or they have a guild that drags them through the content when really they should be enticed to go through that content in the first place and i don't think that that mount that turtle mount i don't think it has any place to do with having to do a raid or a strike or fractals or any of that other stuff because the basic mounts you never had to do that with the turtle is a basic two person mount yeah it's not it's not a sky scale or a griffin that is this hidden ultimate ultimate monster this ultimate mount Mm -hmm. and arena made it into that when it shouldn't have been that in the first place couldn't agree with you more couldn't agree with you more um as as a self-proclaimed dirty casual um if it wasn't for um a friend of mine sandrake who i play with a lot he is a very competent practical player and he was the one who dragged me into the into the into the 10 man into the into the strike mission and i and i and and we only wiped once in fairness and i stood my ground and i did it until the end but if i didn't have kind of it sounds a bit pathetic but the emotional support of him saying no you can do this we'll go in we'll do it together i've got your back i'm this is new i'm not gonna be a dick to you if you don't know immediately what to do and i think there's a lot of intimidation for people like me who are self-admittedly not super into the mechanics not super into that competitive and they get and, and it's the same with raids you i wanted to go in to experience the story I didn't go in because I couldn't cope with the culture around the raids. And I, and I think it's less with the strike missions, but there's a certain amount of intimidation factor and, and also a certain amount of why the fuck am I having to go into a strike mission when there's no tie into the story? Give me a mission that, that takes me to explore the Luxon history so I can learn about this interesting faction that was in the previous story and unlock my mount that way and maybe tie it into the map. So doing the end game meta map, yeah, have it in the map, have it so that we have to use them in the encounter so that that's how we unlock them rather than we have to kill the boss at the end. Yeah. I will, so, I will agree with you. It's, it is a missed opportunity from some cool, like, Luxon lore. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's, so, yeah. I, I'm 100% totally agree with you, the, There's There's another problem, too, with the toxicity that came out of this event, because <laughs> you had you had the Hearthstuck Guild and, and other people. That's how I like got mine, by the way. Mighty Teapot, who <laughs> were trying to just help people say... Join our Discord, 
jump in. You don't have to talk. Just jump in the chat and listen, and we will guide you through how to do this successfully. And don't get me wrong. Some Sometimes you still fail. Sometimes you would still fail because not enough people listened or you, you couldn't get a good map. That's a whole other issue with ArenaNet and, and the way they do map instancing. Um, there were still some failures. And certainly that's going to add to the frustration because th- then there's this expectation of, well, you said if I join you, I'm going to automatically get it. And I didn't. And and then they get mad because they didn't get it. And it's like, well, just do it again and, you know, you'll be fine. And then you have some people who are like, oh, I shouldn't have to do that. I shouldn't have to join a Discord and yada, yada, yada. And I agree. You shouldn't have to do that. But in this case, you do <laughs> if you want it right now. Right. Or wait because ArenaNet will absolutely address the issue. There's no way for them not to address the issue. And so this, all this toxicity was created over nothing, really. You have certain – I wouldn't even call myself hardcore. But you have some less casual players who love the purity of the meta. They don't care about the turtle. It's not necessarily about the rewards. It's about the difficulty of the encounter. How many different mechanics do you have to deal with? How do you, you become this orb, but it's not like the orb at Doom. It's a different type of orb now. Um, you have to prepare. Like, I didn't even know this. I did, the, I did the event five times before I understood that I had to be there early to prepare for the meta. Because not only do I need to get 10 stacks of doing the events, but I need to charge up my Jade Bot factory thing offensive and defensive as well because you needed every ounce of dps because some people are doing lots of dps and some people are doing not a lot of dps and it's not a point of finger like you're not doing enough dps it's just a matter of you need to balance that out and arena net right put those meta events in place to do just that mm-hmm. so that so that they that there was a damage buff there unfortunately the event is too long regardless. Um, You can't have an hour of preparation and then an hour of the event. That's just insanity when you think about it. I love the event. I think I've done it three times successfully, five times unsuccessfully. So eight times times two hours, 16 hours I've spent doing that event. That's kind of crazy. And I still need to do it another three times in order to get some of the achievements. Yeah. You um, yeah, for sure. And then to make matters worse, and I'm sure this will get addressed soon as well. It hasn't been addressed yet, but there's zero reward when you fail. Yeah. And yeah. they know you're going to fail at least once, if not many, many times. Mm. So if you do 20% of the boss's health or 30%, or you get it down, like the, the normal fail state was about 30%. People could get the boss to about 30%. And then you would run out of time because you weren't doing enough damage. So you didn't phase it quickly enough. But you should get something for that, especially with a two-hour investment. Um, I am very lucky and fortunate that I have a lot of free time. But not everybody's like that. Some people get, like, if they're lucky, four or five hours a week to play the game. Are they going to spend two hours doing Dragon's End because they want a turtle? That's likely to fail? I I don't think so. They're going to be angry that they have to spend two hours doing a meta that might not be successful just because they want to play with their little turtle and and have a secondary guy drive with them and shoot guns and, and do whatever. The turtle's not even that good, by the way. 
Uh, it's yeah. not even that amazing. I know some people out there love the turtle, and that's great if you love it, but it's not like the most amazing mount ever created. It, it's a two-player mount, and it's kind of cool and kind of niche and whatever. You know, it's, it's not the end of the world, but... But there's I need the turtle, of, dude. <laughs> there's lots of little problems with the meta event itself, and then they compounded those problems by putting uh, a highly sought-after, I don't want to say guaranteed item, but highly sought-after, highly publicized mount that, that shouldn't have been there in the first place. And that just compounded into about two or three weeks of just pure... Uh, you know, even in game, it got bad yeah. to where people were fighting with each other over nothing, uh, over over nonsense, really. Um, I'm a commander. Everybody, please join on me. I'm going to tell you what you have to do. You're not going to tell me what to do. Oh, no, no, forget you. And and then you have people who are trying to get the map because the map system is outdated and the internet needs to address that because you can't get 50 people into the map. You have to play map hopping games. And mm-hmm. then some people take it to the extreme of baiting people out of the map by promising uh, legendary giveaways and lion's arch or whatever. Like, <laughs> Really? That stre- was a thing? <laughs> then streamers get canceled oh because they're caught doing that. It's like, oh my God. you're all insane. Wait, was that a it's thing? Just a, yes, yeah. yes. Oh, my God. Holy maybe shit. maybe I saw that and I totally missed it. But holy shit is right. Jesus Christ. Can I ask you guys a question? So... This seems like a fairly obvious choke point to me. Why did they not see it coming? Why didn't they anticipate the, the, the fuckery? What do you think? Do you think they're not testing enough? Is there not enough, is there not enough play testing happening? What's, what's going on? What do you think? It's a good question. I don't even think you need play testing for that. You just have to sit in a room and say, so... The turtle mount that we've been hyping up, you're going to put behind the most difficult world event you've ever created that has a fairly large DPS check. And all you have to do is think about that for like a moment and say, yeah, probably yeah, not, that's a, good not a good idea. <laughs> no, that's not going to end well. People are going to complain. Yeah. Maybe it was an oversight. It's kind of, I know that's like a really. I don't think so. I bad, think it's done on purpose. Bad. Really? I you think? think? Yeah, I think ArenaNet did it because they're trying to show – and they've been doing this since Heart of Thorns, by the way. Path of Fire, they, they really took a step back. But Heart of Thorns, they took the first steps. And then with this um, End of Dragons, they, they took another step. They did two things in, in End of Dragons. In the very beginning of End of Dragons, they put a heart event that you have to do that teaches you about combo fields and dodging and moving out of telegraphed uh, mm-hmm. attacks. that was odd. And the defiance bar and so forth, right? Because one of the biggest complaints is you don't teach us how to play the game. So it's like, okay, we'll put this in here. This kind of teaches you whatever. And then we'll have story steps where we want you to do that to try and reinforce that thought process. It doesn't quite connect. It's a good starting stepping stone point, but it doesn't quite connect. And then they're telling you in another way because they've 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 really gotten some hassle from the hardcore hardcore community or those players who want more difficult content from strikes, for example, which uh, we can talk about. The strikes are, are done wonderfully, by the way. I can't yeah. wait for CMs. Um, but then they try to inject some of that into the open world so that when you are successful, they hope that you take the next step. Okay, that was hard, but I did it. 
And now I have confidence. So where's my next step? Well, if you're the turtle, strike is your next step because you have to do it for the turtle. And so they're they're, they're trying to, right? Uh, yes. Which is hard. (laughs) Which is a little bit difficult. It's pretty difficult. One of of the more difficult ones. It's a long fight. But anyway, very long. Sorry. They're trying to goad you into this content, but I don't know that that's the right way to do it. Clearly, it's not the right way to do it because so many people had a fit over it. I mean, if if they want to get people to into the raiding content, retire some of the Black Lion skins and put them in the raid content, and people will play the holy shit out of that content. Just retire them. If if the skins are 10 years old, take them off the Black Lion Trading Company, put them into open world content, put them into strikes, put them into raids, people will flock to it. Simple. It's a good idea. I never thought about that, but that's an excellent idea. Why haven't they done that? It's kind of the major problem with Guild Wars 2 right now <laughs> because most of most of the like rewards that people would want would be in the gem store. I, I think they have this attitude as well. And if Grouch or anybody else listens to this, I apologize if this is incorrect. But <clears throat> it feels to me like there's an attitude, a company attitude, not a singular person. It feels like there's a company attitude of we're going to try this out, and if it fails miserably, it's okay. We'll patch it away, and we'll smooth it over. Um, so they put the turtle behind the difficult content. It goes horribly wrong, just like they probably thought it might. Mm-hmm. And then they just patch it away, and they say, okay, well, you can get it this other way. Rejoice. And they, you know, they, it's, it's always a roller coaster with them, right? They build you up, and then they do something that really disappoints you and brings you down, but then they do 50% off Black Lion Key, so everybody's excited again. And then yeah. uh, they bring out a gem store skin that's 4,000 gems, and everybody hates them again. And then they release <laughs> new content, and it's back up on the roller coaster. You know, That's what Guild Wars 2 has always been for me. Since day one, it's always been this roller coaster of emotions of they do something really good, and I'm, yeah, Guild Wars 2. And then they do something that's like, how could you do this to me? And then I'm at the bottom again. And then they do something really awesome. And I'm back at the top. Yes, I love you. And then they don't release, they don't release raids for like eight years. Oh, and then I hate you because raids are dead. But we have new strikes that are really great. Oh, and I'm back up on the roll. You know, it's, it's constant. <laughs> really and I feel good like, observation, I feel like man. that's almost a company attitude of theirs to say, we're going to try this. And if it fails miserably, because it might, then... We'll do something else to fix it, no problem, because we always do that. But if it works, oh my god, we're geniuses. Oh god. Uh, I, I, I think you might be right. Yeah, dude. Shit, I, I that's think that's not a, good. That's probably like the most that. astute thing I've heard today. <laughs> You're right. You're really right. Um I I don't think I could have realized that your your spot on age, what were you gonna say? Yeah, I agree with that. It's it's been kind of weird. Like uh, even like from the gem store to the content to what they do in um in PVE, open world PVE, I think Inks kind of hit the nail on the head there. Uh, I yeah, I agree they shouldn't have put the siege turtle at all there. I think that was just not a good idea at all. I think the idea was behind they wanted to get more people into the 
uh, strikes content and just to like entice like entice people into that by just Did I just lose age? I can't hear him either. Yeah, age we just like lost you. Oh, my bad. I hit my mic my, my mute. It's okay. It's like am <laughs> I going crazy? Yeah, repeat like the last like maybe sentence or two. It wasn't that long. Uh I think I think that they added uh, that content in open world PvE just because they wanted to get more people into strikes. But I think if you are a person that wants harder challenges, you would just go to that. You would like seek that content out naturally. Yeah. Like you would, you would go like, is there harder content? And then you'd be like, Oh, there's raids, there's fractals, there's strikes. But if you just want to, you know, play an open world content and just have a fun doing that, you know, doing world bosses, meta events, that would be your jam, you know, making legendaries and, you know, things like that. But speaking, that's I, something I'm looking at. Speaking of legendaries, not to totally switch topics. Um, I think we did talk a bunch about dragons and I don't know how, you know, much we want to circle the conversation and keep like parking on it. I think we kind of made the point there, but uh, I did want to bring up the legendary, uh, set of of weapons which I uh, Gemstore was brought up and I was like yeah the legendaries are kind of like a Gemstore set in a way I like them they're kind of cool but like they do feel very Gemstore ish and I'm, I'm, I feel like you guys you guys will most likely agree with that uh, I'm I think I'm still waiting for that dagger you know just <laughs> yeah you and everybody else who seems to think I'm a legendary weapon. Uh, coin-operated machine or something. Hey, don't you have I, a mall? Just, just, uh, I'm missing, I'm missing a hammer and a focus. Oh yeah, but... yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> See, you don't even need a deck. What? what <laughs> I mean, what, how many? I have like 24 legendaries. First of all, age. I don't what? know how many people know this, but age is a legendary-making machine. machine. Yeah, yeah. Especially amazing, during yeah. Path of Fire era like he he was just like i don't know you were cranking him out quick yeah yeah i was trying I, to beat five a year but like i, I didn't do five it this a year. year oh my god i thought i was badass i've got like four i'm like yeah i'm i'm a pimp with this but holy fucking short balls dude Do I need, uh, what? Uh, my thief is geared except for like rings so yeah jesus christ so I, i've made two arene weapons i'm working on the third one uh, the third one's going to take me a lot longer because now I'm out of materials. Like I had a bunch yeah. of materials saved up, mm-hmm. and um, making Aurene weapons is actually a lot easier than making the other legendaries. Um, Which is nice. It, it goes end of dragons, uh, core game, yes, path of fires as as, as slash harder yeah. yeah, slash harder thorns for making them. Um, so I made a video. Very early on, when all we had was the information that these are going to be the Arene weapons, and here's what a couple of them look like. And, and I was like, Black Lion weapon set, like, whoop de freaking do. Mm. However, <laughs> and, I was, and I was a little upset about it at I the time. I think I remember right to be. Um, and I think a lot of people agreed with that sentiment at yeah. the time, unless you really like the weapon set, and then you're like, who cares? I love this weapon set. Mm-hmm. And that's fine, too. Um, however, however, since then, ArenaNet has said, well, we're going to put something in there, and we don't know how this works at all, uh, but we're going to put something in there that lets you attune them to different Elder Dragons. 
So you'll have Aurene weapons, but then you're going to have Zaitan, and you're going to have Kralkatorik, and so on and so forth, eventually. Um, so that, to me, was like, okay, that makes them way more interesting to me. Because I don't care about the Aurene weapons personally. Not my style, not my thing, but I love Primordis. I have always loved Primordis since day one. I was so disappointed with what they did with him. But anyway, <laughs> um, I was so happy to see him back in the strike mission. Oh, I love him in the strike mission. But um, I do. I am interested in, like, what is Zaitan going to look like? What is... Primordis, you know, what are these? Krakatoric's another favorite of mine. So what is Krakatoric going to look like? And they have lots of Krakatoric-like weapons. So we'll see. That's what interests me. Now, I did make two of the Arene weapons. I made Scepter and Axe. And the effects on them are pretty much the same. They're very rainbowy. So if you like the Bifrost, they sort of match up kind of well. They have footfalls of little crystals that form. And then the crystals sort of shatter as you move away from them. Um, they're very nice. They're very cool looking. If you're going for the rainbow luminescence kind of look, then I think they're pretty cool. I think I'm working on either Torch or Warhorn now. But um, my big thing is about changing them into something else later. And I'm wondering how that's going to work exactly. Like if I upgrade to Zaitan and then Primordis comes out and I upgrade again, I'm sure they're going to let me cycle through whichever dragon I want. That, that's what exactly what I was thinking. I was like, so do so, I lose it or do, can I go back? That should be interesting as well. And how expensive is it going to be for me to upgrade one of the legendary weapons? Um, I expect there to be a cost and a sink and all that kind of stuff. But how big is it going to be? I don't know. We'll see. Isn't it in your wardrobe? So, or Oh, right. The, leg- the legendary... Uh, the legendary storage. That's a good point. <laughs> so, True. I, I, I think I think you just like if you have that legendary unlock, you just get this item that'll you let you attune. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, but see, well, I, I it would just like unlock. The, it would like unlock the attunement process is going to be a collection or something, right? Yeah, yeah. I, it would I just would it would just imagine. be tied to your account, I would imagine. Do you think that they will expand the, the dragon story so that we understand more of it via these collections? Because that would be that would be an awesome like key in for so. people who care about the law. Yeah, I would say yeah, in your I, dreams. I hope so. <laughs> I don't oh, think they're well, going to do that. Thank you very much, mate. Fingers crossed, though. Yeah, I I think that's asking like way too much. I I would be so surprised if they did that. It would be really cool. But like, I don't know. It just seems like too much at the very worst you're gonna get a little tidbit about (laughs) whatever like the weapons have a little tidbit of information about the weapon itself and arene so maybe like when you make primordis axe or maybe you just unlock primordis i don't know maybe you don't have to do each weapon maybe it'll have a little tidbit about primordis or something at the very least we'll see yeah that's what i would say you're probably gonna get like the 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 first hot legendaries, like everyone loved those because of the story, but it, it consumes quite a bit of time. Yeah, so, but they were so good. They were really good. Yeah. Like yeah. I never finished. I'm halfway through. I never finished uh, the short bow Chuka and Jumpawat, but that story is amazing for making the weapon. Like it gives you a connection to the weapon that you would not otherwise have. 
Mm-hmm. It, it feels like a legendary journey. Exactly. Like, yeah. Exactly. Making yeah. Nevermore was a legendary journey. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah, and I think that's like that's kind of a, a thing with Guild Wars and ArenaNet. They like they do these things once and then they never do them again. Like they never they never made legendaries like Hots were. That we never got back to that point. I just well, couldn't, I couldn't see them trying to do it yeah. again. Unfortunately, it was just too time consuming for them in the end. Right. And Great idea, but there's a cost. Yeah, the the cost I guess was just too great for them to yeah. keep doing it, which is a real shame because that is like to me that is the highlight of legendary weapons. Is those yeah. first HOT weapons. I really would have liked it if they did it with the Arid one because it would have been essentially the same story, but you just get a different weapon every time that you wanted. Yeah, I mean, you're right. They could have just done the same precursor story and you just get a different precursor every time, you know. that For that collection, you're right. That could have been a one-and-done sort of deal. So there's no story element to it. There's no exploration element to it. It's no, to, it's, to just like, it's just like making a... a, a core, yeah. A, a core or, or a whatever set. You make a bunch of pieces, you throw them in the forge, you make a weapon. Yeah. Well, you, you do about 10 shit. billion EOD events, and yeah. That that doesn't make it... I'm sorry, that doesn't make any sense to me. It's the end of 10 years of storytelling. They're capping it off with these legendary weapons, and they don't put any story related to the Elder Dragons in the legendary weapon process. Nope. <laughs> Lame. I'm trying to think. I'm I trying know. to. Th- I'm trying to think back now. So you have to do map completion. Obviously, you need like thirty clovers. You need to do a ton of events to buy these paper something or other. They're like five hundred scroll currency each. Yeah. You need like eight of them if you, if you're making like the precursor as well, or you could just buy the precursor. Whatever. Um, you need a ton of the ass items the ancient whatever whatever ancient statue whatever they're called oh those things everybody calls them ass yeah (laughs) um you need a hundred of the little jade statues that you get out of the treasure boxes which again you could buy off the trade post like the only thing that stops you from just making it pure money wise is map completion and needing the the scroll currency as in old world map completion or new world map completion? new world yeah the new ah, okay. the, the four new maps okay i think pretty yeah. much everything else almost everything else you get you need a you still need a, a gift of battle for example which mm-hmm. you can't buy of course you gotta do world restore for that um and everything else i think is pretty much buyable from the trade yeah. post yeah, I was. I remember looking through it, uh, the recipe on Wiki, and it's just like I just had to do events, pretty much. Yeah, just a ton of events. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of, I'm kind of, gotta be honest. I'm kind of disappointed. I was, I was hoping that there would be some really juicy law tie-ins. Yeah. That, God damn it. That's kind of why I <laughs> shut you down a little bit. I was like, don't, don't, don't think. There's going to be more because there's already not a lot. It, it it does kind of suck, but again, it's like it's a give and a take thing. It's like they do something once and 
everyone liked it, and then the, for some reason they just don't do it again. I don't really. There's really no. I mean, there's a, there's a very clear reason why they don't do it again. It, it takes them too much studio time. You wouldn't have 16 legendaries. You'd have three or four, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess the the reason, right? Maybe I I, I think I just kind of missed on the, the other hand, is it just takes time. Counterpoint to that. If they would announce that ahead of time, right, and say, listen, you're only going to get four weapons at launch. Here are the four weapons, and they're going to have full legendary paths. And then they came out with one legendary weapon per release. Yeah. That would actually be good because when they did that with Path of Fire, people got excited every time they seen a new legendary. Number one, the hype. What is the legendary going to be? Is it going to be my legendary, the longbow that I need, or the hammer that I need, or whatever? Uh, or is it going to be a legendary I don't care about, pistol or rifle or whatever? I'm just making that up, obviously. But right. Um, yeah. But then you find out what it's going to be, and then you see the animations, and then you get excited. Okay, I'm going to go make that. And it allows the community to also um, – like right now, all 16 are out there. I don't think too many people are like myself who are making – one after another. Like I'm on number three and I've exhausted pretty much all of my resources. So number three is going to take me a long time to make and number four is going to take a while to make, a couple months probably. Um, if you space them out because story takes a couple of months to pick up again and to start going and then you got about a month between each story, give or take, you drip feed, you drip feed these legendary weapons, more people are more likely to make them which draws all that currency out of the uh, economy and the community, which you really need in the game to keep balance. So I think there's pros to doing it that way. And, and I wish they would kind of take that into consideration. Yes, there's the negative side effect that people will complain, oh, I'm not getting all 16 legendaries at launch. But at the same time, tell them ahead of time, like you're going to get a full legendary journey and one weapon for each story until we're done with 16. Well, that would get my vote, but I don't know whether I'm in the minority. <laughs> so. I wouldn't mind that. Cause since there is core that if you can't wait to get a legendary, you can just make one of those. But... It also allows players who don't have a lot of time. Let's say um, if they release, let's say the rifle boat, I know some people love the rifle boat, HMS, Divinity, whatever it's called. Uh, not a big favorite of mine, but that's fine. But if they know the materials to make that, then they can guess or take an educated guess as to what do I need for Scepter or Great Sword or whatever um, is the legendary that I want to make. And so that they they can slowly build up their materials so that when it does release and they do get the legendary they want um, – there's a little more gratification, instant gratification there for them as well. I mean, they could even be more transparent than that and say, this is the stuff that you're going to need. It's going to be in-game, but you're going to have to wait for the thing to release. So you can get your collections done. You can write from the start. You can be collecting what you need. And then as as we've completed this special, wonderful, toppest story content then you can you can do it in a wanna when as soon as it as soon as it pops. They could even do that so that it allows people to collect the materials whilst they're waiting for the for their legendary to pop up in the list. Yeah, I mean I think that's great. And, and then they had they did have a great idea with cycling through the other elder dragons 
You can add that on top of it. You draw it out even longer. Uh, you sort of double dip. You know, I made the pistol, but I don't care about anything else. Well, now I need to go do Primordus pistol, you know, Primordus pistol or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, that's the way I would do it. But I don't work for ArenaNet, and uh, I've never developed a game. So, you know, what do I know? um i think the only things i i sort of have on my list to talk about uh just to kind of give a timeline masteries i know we wanted to talk about the strikes and then maybe just like the end of the story and then we can kind of wrap up we didn't talk about the masteries at all (laughs) this whole time um what did you guys think of those um i think um the jade bot is pretty wildly like when were they going to explain how to use that? Everything else is pretty good. Um, I maybe I don't really like Arborstone all that much. I like Eye of the North better, but I don't think it has anything to really to do with the mastery line. Fishing's great. Skiff's great. The Jade Bot is just yeah. Again, like why? Like when were you going to teach me how to use this thing? What do you guys think? Kind of like the non-hands-on approach with JadeBot. I didn't know what to do with it either. Uh, then it was just like reading through. It's like, oh, if Locked. I go on this line, I can yeah. just like replenish my my battery. It's like oh, I have four charges. I can use these to get like these offensive buffs, the defensive buffs, et cetera, et cetera. So it's kind of like just I, I kind of like the non-hand-holding for that just to see like what it does. It's it's and not just, that like, aspect of it. It's the it's the like the modules. And stuff, which is locked oh, behind jewel crafting. Which is okay, so I, I haven't really messed with that yet. Yeah, so they don't really, really like be like, hey, check this out. It's just like, oh, it's hidden away in your menu, and it's like, when, like, what do I even do with this? I still, I'm still well, trying to figure it out. Well, it's just like there's a jade workbench, as far as I know, and yeah. then uh, I, I really haven't messed with the the jewels yet because I don't think I need anything like immediately right away from any of the any of the buffs that they can give it, it might be helpful mm-hmm. but yeah i haven't messed with that too much yet so i can't really say all the other masters are pretty good thanks harold oh me okay yep um so i like I like the masteries. I do. They don't feel as quite as significant as previous expansions. Like the boat is cute and lovely. I like the boat. I'm, I'm for. I'm, I'm pro boats. Pro boats. Uh, uh, but it's and it's a fun way. If there was more ways to integrate it into the gameplay, I would feel it was more significant. Um, I like Arborstone. I think it's interesting, but this I feel. Now, the same way that I did when I when I watched them going through it on the live stream, this is interesting and it looks cute and I like the upgrades. Why am I doing this again? What purpose does it serve other than just unlocking different? There has to be like a a, a tie in for me. Why? Time is precious. Why are you asking me to spend this time to do it? And I don't feel like right now. Other than some shinies, there's any incentive for me to do that. Right. I would prefer it to be linked directly to something substantial that I get out of it, if that makes sense. So, like, with the Griffin Mastery, you have 
appreciable gameplay elements in the game, being able to summon the griffin while you are gliding, being able to spring off it to get to like you know try and break out of maps. Not that I'm advocating any of that, but you can you, there's a there's a direct gameplay element to it that you see a tangible benefit to you, and the Jade Bot fulfills that, but the others I'm not really kind of syncing with personally. I don't know how you guys feel. Fishing's nice, but there isn't any super duper awesome collections that I've figured out for that, I guess. Go on. Oh, go on. Um, so I'm not a big fisher. Not yet, anyway. Uh, <laughs> I know that a lot of people it's are. They, they love it. I think Arena had a good implementation with fishing. I don't find it too annoying. Um, I don't find it... Like, it's not hitting a rock and just getting your material. There's a little game you play with a sliding bar and whatever... I'm okay with that. It seems so far pretty good, pretty simple to me. I know, um, just like World of Warcraft is my other fishing example, you have to catch certain fish at dusk or at dawn, which can be annoying for people, but that's also part of the nuance of it. We haven't seen it yet, but I'm sure we're going to see seasonal fish. You can only catch during Winter's Day. You can only catch during whatever. Uh, So I'm sure that those are probably coming. That'd be really cool. Um, certain fish require certain lore. You can only catch it with whatever uh, a shrimp. You can only catch it with a mackerel. You can only catch it with whatever. So that part is nuanced and intense to me. And eventually, I'll get to it, and I'll have to look it up, and I'll have to, you know. And some people will hate that. I'm sure. I like that. That doesn't bother me. I like that about fishing in games that. I need to be at a certain place to catch a fish at a certain time and yada, yada, yada. That might be a little difficult for people who don't understand the day-night cycle of Guild Wars 2. There's third-party websites you can look up that will tell you it is a day, is it dusk, whatever. So you'll kind of need to use that as you go through. As far as the mastery line, it's fine. It's okay. It's not earth-shattering or anything. It's, it's a good one, I guess. The skiff is sort of similar to me. I didn't really use, and I haven't really used the skiff a whole ton. Uh, it's cool. There'll be many, many boat skins for you to buy. <laughs> skins, whatever you want. You know, yeah. they already they already released one, which I think is super adorable and cute. Uh, I didn't buy it, but you know, it's cool. And I'm sure there will be many more. And um, again, the mastery track is fine. Uh, it, it's okay. The Jade Bot was the first mastery I did. Um, overall, it's a good mastery line. There's a couple of things that are sort of annoying. The One of them allows the Jade Bot to res you faster than your regular res. But you don't have a choice as to when to use it. It overlays over top of your regular heal skill. So if I go down an open world, it's going to make me use it at a time that I might not use it. Not, might not want to use it. I might just want to use a regular heal to get back up. Good point. Yet yeah. I have to burn this special thing that I might want to save for a boss fight. For DE, for example. So if they put it on a different button, added a sixth skill or, or however many there are now, that would be preferable so that I can choose when to use it rather than having to burn it ahead of time. I don't think that the core system and the upgrade systems is explained at all. 
Yeah. Like most people have no idea what to do with them. I only know what to do with them from trial and error. And in order to get tier three, you have to make tier two, um, which you actually buy from a vendor with tier one and some gold, some silver and some uh, karma or something. And then the tier three drops from particular events. I have no idea which events or which strikes or which whatever, because I haven't done the research on that yet, but eventually I will and I'll figure that stuff out. But it's just not clear about any of that stuff. And on top of that, some of the logic behind them doesn't make sense. So one slot will be usually um, it'll be something to do with getting extra materials. You'll get extra jade shards or extra uh, totems or extra blood or uh, extra leather or cloth or whatever the case is. And so you have to decide which of those is better. Originally, I went with jade slivers. Turns out that unless you need particular, um, uh, unless you need like uh, season five materials or something, it's kind of a waste. And so totems or blood is probably the best one for you to add to your bot. Coupled with that are some other ones like gliding. You can extend your your glide updraft. You can extend the turtle damage or endurance or something. I forget. Um, and those all fit in the same slot as treasure find or um, g- gaining extra materials, which doesn't really make sense because then there's a service chip slot. And that one is, I'm trying to think what's in, oh, my, right now mine is reduce the cool time on your, your extra heal from the J-Bot. Uh, and there's a couple others. I think Mount Cooldown, something Mount like Cooldown, that? okay. So you would think Mount Cooldown should be a service chip, right? But it's not. It's coupled in with the turtle reduction and stuff. And it's like, that doesn't really? make any sense. Yeah, the gliding. I could have sworn I saw something like that. And the turtle. Yeah, no, there is one. You're right, but it goes with the gathering slot, which makes oh, zero sense. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it makes zero sense. They really need to reconfigure what goes in what slot because the secondary service slot is very limited. There's like three choices, I think, <laughs> and all of them are pretty terrible, except <laughs> reducing the cooldown on the heal if you have it. Right. Um, the other annoying thing is every time you switch maps or map instances, you lose all your battery. So you need to recharge your Jade Bot, and it only holds four charges anyway, which is fine, you know, whatever. Um, I think initially it only holds one or two or something like that, so you, you do two, get up to two. four eventually. Yeah. But <clears throat> if you're running around doing meta events and you finish the meta event and your map closes... Well, now you switch to a new map and you have no charges saved up. And you got, and don't get me wrong, batteries are everywhere, like literally. So it's not, a, it's just an annoyance that I find that I have to charge the stupid thing all the time and, and whatever. Um, making the cores, uh, tier four in particular, is really expensive. Um, they're about 40 gold or so to get to tier 10 to get full use out of it. But it's not account bound. It's character bound. So you have to make a core for every character or go through the annoying. Yeah. yeah, You have to go through the annoying topic of switching the core around or you have to make it. I just made a core for every character because I'm like, forget. I don't have that many characters. 
you know, I'm not playing the swap around the core game. It's ca- it's character bound on equipped. Um, no, you can you can move them around. I'm pretty sure from character to character, but every character oh. has to have its own core for the J bot okay. to even work. Right. Yeah, that, that completely threw me. I yeah. was like, Where, was "Where's like, my core? Oh. Why can't I use it?" Yeah. Yeah. Whereas I- the fishing pole. Works for everybody. Yep. yep. Yeah. Except you just have to have you have to have individual bait for every character. I, that's what I was just going to ask the bait and the. Um, but the fishing pole is universal, so like I don't understand the core thing. I I don't get it. Yeah, maybe that seems like something I haven't heard anyone complain about it, but that seems like something that they would like change. Based off, is like, that, isn't the core kind of like uh, a ring, or it's an accessory for you, your character, or is it is it an account wide? No, it it goes into no, it's not uh, account wide. It, it's character wide, um, but it goes into the Jade Bot. Doesn't okay. So the Jade so, Bot has three slots. It has a core, which you need to make it work at all, and then it has two optional upgrade slots that will give you a little extra something. So in the eyes of Gilroy's 2, the Jade Bot is character bound, essentially. Yeah. For some yes. unknown reason. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Now, here's the thing, and again, I don't really excuse this, but you could set up the Jade Bots like, um, like let's say you have one character who always, like, this is your Griffin riding character. I know there's a big guild out there who does Griffin riding tricks and so forth. They probably have particular characters. You could set up one character just to have Griffin gliding extended or the mount extend gliding or whatever it's called. Um, so you can customize each character to be different or specialize in something different. But is that really better than just having an account wide and letting me swap profiles or something? Yeah, why not have so. bot templates like they have build templates? Why not? Oh gosh, that? can you imagine if they had robot templates? And yeah, two hundred two hundred gems them? for a bot template, please and thank you. Oh brother, I take it back. I take but, it back. Forget I ever said it. <laughs> on the other hand, you know, having this character wide, it's it's like bag slots are character wide, right? Right. Uh, my ranger has max bag slots, but my revenant has five or six or whatever he comes with and like that doesn't make any sense either right so it's just i don't get it it's 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 qll shit you know and this is not even something that is monetized right now right right when are we gonna get the jbot skins when are we gonna get those who knows (laughs) um but you know i i just don't understand why i need a core for each character It, it just doesn't make sense to me it, it totally threw me when I had to do that. I'm like, why can't I charge the... What What do you mean I don't have... It? Hang on. What? What? Like, yeah, it threw me for a loop. I I <sighs> did forget to mention the turtle one, but I actually haven't even started it. I don't even so know. So I, I finished the turtle one. It's okay. It's it's good. You know, it's like fishing or skiff. It's it's good the way it is. It increases damage on certain things. Yeah, it's kind of more damage. Your stomp does more damage. It's a typical mount one, so sure. that's good. Sure. Arbor Stone, last and li- last and not least, and I apologize for just going on and on and droning on for hours. <laughs> apologize, guys. Oh, God. Yeah. Arbor Stone is utter crap. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you said it. Say what you think. Don't don't beat around. I have a mastery for a mastery track. It's utter crap because it never needed to be a mastery track. You have things like Eye of the North, and mm-hmm. what was the one in Jahai? The Sunspear uh, Sun's Refuge. Refuge. Yeah. yeah. So you have two instances in the game that are already, like, upgradable instances, which is exactly what Arborstone is. Yeah. 
why would you not just follow that recipe? Why did you make it? You made it a mastery track because you needed more mastery tracks, but it's not a good mastery track. Agreed. Now, that being said, if you're listening to this and you don't have Arbor Stone maxed, max it out because you can buy the Ascended Statue whatever um, from a vendor that you get when it's maxed out. And you can buy five of them a week, and they're worth like 15 gold apiece. Now, if you would have done that two weeks ago, they were worth 30 or 40 gold apiece. So you would be making a couple hundred gold for doing nothing just by buying these items and selling them on the trading posts, which is what people are doing. It's also Canax backpack skins, which are quite unique and interesting. That's right. That's a thing. Yes. Um, You you made me realize that I, (laughs) well, I didn't realize this. I just thought about it. I I've never made less money in expansion ever. I have made zero money. <laughs> like just from like playing the game. I always thought that I was like, oh, like I always liked how like I monetarily made like a decent amount of funds playing the game, but in this and and the dragons, I've made fucking nothing. Uh it's been okay, and I know for some of the TP parents they've made incredible amounts of money because they were on to kale super fast and forget it. They, you know. Yeah. People made a lot of money off of kale. I'm sure. <clears throat> Which, by the way, if you have a home instance garden plot, you can plant kale. And, <laughs> and even today, you can still make a little bit of money off of kale. So that's good, I guess. Um, yeah, sorry to interrupt. The other thing about Arbor Stone is nothing is near nothing. Like, True. Yeah, that's I, the I issue. Go to, I go to level two to craft. fly over there. Like, and then I got to go back down to level one to get to the trading post. There's a trading post up there, but I got to go back down to go to my bank and you can get through it through the crafter or stuff, but nothing is near anything else. It's, and don't get me, it's a giant space. They need to fill it. I get it. I understand, but it'll never be a super central hub for exactly that reason. Yep. You can go to Eye of the North. Things are much closer together. And they're much better laid out. And that's if you don't have one of the gem store special passes where everything is closer together. Mistlocked um, forever. <laughs> yeah, like I, I know Mistlock is the absolute best. I go to the stupid Queen's Pavilion because I'm stubborn. Uh, Mistlock <laughs> is absolutely the, the number one, obviously. But um, you know, if you're a content creator, it is great because it is the only place in the game outside of the original dungeons where the lighting is consistent. So if you're trying to show off any weapon skins or any armors, you have a consistent light rather than the day night cycle fucking with your recording. So. Super tech. <laughs> Sounds like you know. Sorry, from carry on. <laughs> no, I, I, I think that's a great point. I, I think a lot of people should know that. Actually, I didn't know that. So that's yeah, great. I don't think I knew that either. Um, but that's just you know, Arbor Stone never should have been a mastery track. Um, it's all stuff that you could upgrade, just like you can in in Ice Brood Capital or whatever the hell it's called, and the other place, Sun Spear Refuge or whatever. Yeah. We already have proven systems in this game that worked fairly well, and they just needed another mastery track. So that is my worst mastery track of the whole set. Fishing, Skiffs, Turtle, they're all fine, good, whatever. Jade Bot is the biggest winner for me, even though he's confusing to deal with his mods or whatever because there's zero explanation. I didn't even know how to, I didn't even know how to get res- like uh, uh, the research papers at first. Yeah, I, I yeah. didn't either. I was like, you have to... You have to craft uh, like salvage food. <laughs> it's like you have to the salvage something thing I crafted. Yeah, and it has to be a certain level. Stupid. I just I just do level eighty stuff now. On, in the first week or so, you could use the Halloween 
tapioca pudding or something, and it was like it cost you nothing. nothing. Yeah, but they they fixed that. So now getting research papers is a little bit more expensive. It's not terrible, terrible. You just have um, to also, your funds or your there's no materials. salvage all on the toolkit, which I'm sure will no. fix. <laughs> Yes. But yeah, I sat there for like two hours, just click, 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 click. I know I should buy, I should just get an auto clicker, but I'm stubborn and I don't no. want to use an auto clicker. Just put the feature in the game. What, right. What's an auto clicker? What is an, that? Uh, so an auto clicker is something that you can use that will auto click the mouse. And yeah. it's illegal to use in Guild Wars 2 except for salvage kits. I mean, I have, like, a massage thing that I could, like, put on my finger to that bitch, but beyond... It's, a, it's like a software thing, is it? You can, yeah, I yeah, was going to say, you can make macros that auto-click. Yeah, you don't even need to touch the mouse. You just press it once, and it'll click, 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 click. You know, it'll click away. It's no God, I'm such a scrud. I know nothing about any of this. Sorry, carry on. This is an ed- very educational for me. <laughs> so just Google auto-clicker, and the rest will take have care fun. of itself. Yeah. yeah. Um... You're allowed to use it in Guild Wars 2 for opening bags and for salvaging, like, items. Because before there was the salvage all, uh, I, I actually, one, one Halloween, I broke a mouse opening, like, 600,000 Halloween bags. I, yeah, the, I, I broke the mouse button on my mouse. I had to buy a new mouse. Do you, um, have, do you have Carpal Tunnel now? Or? Oh, terrible. It's, yeah. I don't have Carpal Tunnel, but, um, yeah, it was not good for me. Let's just put it that way. Eventually, I gave up, and I turned auto-clicker on, and I, I did it that way. But uh, it was ridiculous, opening bags for Halloween, and then you have to salvage and get rid of all the crap and yada, yada, yada. Those are the old days of Guild Wars 2 that most of us don't have to deal with anymore, thank God. But um, if you do have something where you need to get through a ton of envelopes or a ton of bags or whatever the case is, or salvage research papers, for example, uh, Google auto-clicker. You're allowed to use it in Guild Wars 2 just for those things you can't use it anywhere else you can't use it to fight or you know whatever play the game but you can use it for your inventory mm. anyone have anything else on the masteries all right the strikes are pretty cool and in ter- talking about the strikes we're also talking about like story mission encounters they're all like really good um and the the last one, I forget what it's called, uh, the Harvest Temple one. Um, I, I've only done it once, and I was so surprised at the level of, like, how they separated that encounter from the strike. And I was just like, holy shit, this is awesome. It's so epic, and we didn't, we haven't talked about the music, but the music for that uh, that fight and um, the the DE fight with Suwan is sick. Like, it it, it is really good mclean dimer outdid himself with this whole score uh i haven't i haven't listened to the to the whole uh soundtrack front to back yet i'm I'm gonna do that at some point but um the music in the game is really good and 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 again all all the encounters for the strikes are really fun um they're interesting um i like how they they incorporated them with the story so we have mitrin slash scarlet anka um, Minister Jin, which I just think is too long overall. I, I like the format. I like what they're what they're trying to do, but like fuck. That is a long ass fight, especially if you're learning it. Like, not even raid bosses, I feel like, are that long. 
Um, maybe I'm a little wrong, but it just it just feels like long and, and drawn out. And then the Harvest Temple one when you fight Suwan slash Dragon Void slash all the other Elder Dragons. It's just like this cool culmination fight. And uh, the way they do the end of the game, too, with that is is really dope. What do you guys think? I I haven't done the strikes yet. Okay. Uh, you got something to look but, forward to, for sure. Yeah, because uh, I did the the initial one of the initial strikes that came out. Um, I did, like, a few at Maven because they just needed someone. I'm like, oh, these are really easy. So I figured, like, with these ones, it's just, like, it'll, they'll be relatively easy. They're so, a little more me. difficult, but... Maybe besides the the first two, Akka and Scarlet slash Mitran, they're they're pretty easy, and then the other two are pretty okay. difficult. But I think I think yeah. their difficulty is, is fair, to be honest. Yeah, I heard I heard the last one was actually pretty uh, raid like. Yes, um, with its, its mechanic intense. Yeah, yeah. But one thing that on. yeah, there was there was one thing that I heard that I'm like this kind of defeats the point of strikes in and of itself is that they got carried the first couple strikes and then the last one felt like a rage trick that they couldn't do i'm like well yeah because you got carried through it the the whole point of strikes in and of itself and this is kind of one of my main problems with strikes is that strikes were supposed to be designed so that um people who aren't used to that type of uh of difficult raid like content can have a, a way to like an entry point into that type of content so if you're not actually learning things and getting carried, you're not going to actually perform in strikes that are harder or raid content. Um, so this is this is one of my problems with strikes. The other problem is that I I've one of my fears with endgame uh, PVE is that arena likes kind of like hopping from one thing to the next thing. So it's like from dungeons to fractals to raids to strikes, and like I'm hoping strikes is it, but yeah. Um, they designed it for everyone, but if people who are getting carried don't actually learn how to do the strikes, they just won't play them. That's my fear. Um, I've played, I've gone through one strike mission, which is the Minister Lee. I did it as a druid healer. It was fun. I have to be honest. We got it the second time. It was fun. It was just fun. As a person who has raided in all other MMOs, from SWOTOR and Final Fantasy XIV uh, to, to World of Warcraft, where I was actually a healing raid leader, um, the worst thing about that I find about all mass group content in Guild Wars 2 is visual noise. So it's very hard. Um, I'm not a particularly gifted player, so it's very hard for me to focus on the skills that I want to press to make sure I'm doing my job to keep people up or to keep the buffs up that I need to in my role and be able to clearly read the telegraphs and the boss when my screen is full of everybody else's spell effects. And if I could have one thing to improve the raid experience for me, it would be the ability to mute everybody else's spell effects so that I could just see what the boss is doing and perhaps even some better so Final Fantasy XIV is fantastic with its telegraphs and it has deeply complicated raid mechanics and I've done all of their raids 
for a, a dirty casual, that's astonishing. But I had, and all of their rates in varying difficulties. And because they have this standardised language for telegraphing specific um, abilities of so stacks and, and pushes and pulls and all the gambit, they have hugely interesting fights that are very well telegraphed that, uh, with a sliding scale of difficulty so that you can go in as a nub, casual, dirty casual like me and enjoy the raid, get the story and move on. And you can have stacking difficulty with stacking um, rewards ever increasing as the mechanics are, are ramped up. And it's not just increasing the health bar, additional mechanics are brought in. So I would like better telegraphing and and less visual clutter to be able to really enjoy. And of course, as always, I'd like a, a proper raid tourist mode so that we can go back and enjoy the old raids or even like make them open world bosses because half the time the raid maps are so massive it feels like you're in an additional map anyway. So if they just open them up, that would be ideal for me. But that's like daddy, I want a pony type level of requests so i i feel like that's more realistic than your elder dragon lore (laughs) to to be god damn dude yeah i I, dagger in the heart because like they are they are going that way with strikes so it only makes sense that they make the other fights and the other raids accessible via like a strike mission like i feel like it will happen to be clear i'm not asking for them to get rid of the raids as they exist now no yeah i know it would be an, a, a supplementary to it, right? You know. Yeah. Hey, I I don't want to do the raid. Just do it. Uh, Take a strike. Thanks. Raids always should have had a difficulty slider. Uh, it's a shame that it didn't or doesn't because that really hurt popularity overall with raids. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yep. Yep. And oh. <clears throat> before I talk about strikes very briefly, um. Just like fractals aren't the same as dungeons, raids are not the same as strikes. Uh, there's the journey in itself that adds to it, that, that makes them different. Um, the boss encounters tend to be different. It's not that, it's not that strikes can't be those boss encounters, um, but you know they aren't currently. Um, although Temple Harvest comes pretty close. Yeah. The first strike with Scarlet comes out. I don't even remember the names of them. Yeah. Uh, bring lots of CC, lots of crowd control. You'll need it constantly with the break bars and the whatever. Anka, I don't remember the exact key there. Less CC, but um, still not a bad fight. There's transitional phases where she moves from room to room or whatever. Not entirely super duper difficult, either one of them, although they're a step up from traditional strikes. So if you're new and you're getting into strikes, go do the old strikes. Um, even if you don't know what you're doing, they will be a much easier process for you to get through and then graduate into these strikes. The third one with Minister Lee, what is it called again? Uh, Kinding Overlook. Okay. Yeah. The Overlook. Um it's too long of a fight, in my opinion, but the mechanics are there. They're solid. They're fun. I think they need to make the Roman numerals bigger. Um, <laughs> they do appear on your bar, but I'm supposed to be staring at the game and not necessarily my bar. So, What makes the fight long? Phases. So yeah. you fight Minister Lee, 
and then you go down to up a here. larger plat up here, yeah. and then you go down <laughs> to a larger platform and you fight a, a variety of minions from the story. Like the sniper it, like, and the robot yeah. and whatever. Yeah, you've you've when you fight Minister Lee in the story, it's the exact same fight. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just with more mechanics. Yeah. It's just a, yeah, and it's hard. And you have to phase. There's like three phases, and it just it's long. There, there are some fairly unforgiving mechanics. If you if you are in the way and he does his dash, you are down. I, I no think all the, spots stri- on all the strikes are kind of like that. Like, uh, I know the, the Scarlet one, like, there's a, like, that, that ring thing that's, like, circle. Like, yeah, yeah, like, you Hit get, right you circle. get fucked. And like, if, if you, yeah, if you miss, like, yeah, there are a lot of insta-killing moves in all of them. Can I ask a tangent question? Sorry, hopefully not derailing. Do you think that having the Echo of Scarlet as a Revenant ability is foreshadowing, um, I a future build? So. That'd be I cool. I hope so. Mm-hmm. Um, I was sense. never, you know, I wasn't a big fan of Scarlet. I really wasn't. Um, but I kind of now want her as a revenant. I, I kind of want. I don't know what she, what would she do exactly. She would make me. She was an engineer, right? She would make me an engineer revenant of some sort. I don't know exactly. Yeah. But I kind of want her just because the story character had her and I don't. I'm like. I'm like I kind of mm-hmm. want her as a, I kind of want her as a spirit that who's, I can summon. Ritlocks. He uses just the normal ones, right? He doesn't. Yeah, have, he, he uses the core. Yeah, chalice and so forth. Yeah, that's what I thought. And then never talks about it ever again. Yeah. But anyway, yep. um... <laughs> yeah, I'm good, guys. <laughs> Blindfolds off. <laughs> uh, so the third one is good. It's a long fight. Um, it's it's difficult, but it's not crazy difficult. Um, it's a good experience overall. And then you come to Harvest Temple. Uh, Harvest Temple is a long fight. Um, if you thought that the Minister Lee was a long fight, Harvest Temple is longer. Because you have to go through each of the dragons, uh, Su Wan, and there's a ball mechanic. Now, the ball mechanic is kind of fun. There's a giant ball. And when you attack the ball, it moves very, very slowly. And you have to push it into these circles. And if you push it off the edge, then it does like this board wipe that um, I believe you can jump over or dodge over or something like that. But it does a lot of damage. It will reset the ball to the center. So some strategies might have you do that on purpose and just sort of prepare yourself. But... Uh, there's a lot of shenanigans that can happen with the ball because only one person, one to or three people, should be coordinating to hit the ball and nobody else. It's like keep construct. And yeah, and yeah, yet people can't help themselves but to hit the ball, and it then goes all kinds of weird directions. On top of that, if you're a necromancer and you bring a golem, probably <laughs> not the best skill for this fight because your golem will attack the ball and push it a different direction if you're a mechanist your mech will attack the ball and push it in a direction you may not want it to be pushed in so there's this ball mechanic <clears throat> and then you get into the different fights Mordramoth is really the only bad one in my opinion he does a chin stomp in the center that you have to jump over yeah I don't can't, like that. can't dodge through it you got to jump over it a lot of people myself included fail that mechanic 
So you're bound to lose people or at least go down in that spot. Uh, the second most difficult one is, I think it's Suwon, has these giant skeletons, uh, which, by the way, do count towards your killing giants achievement. For those who haven't completed it, that you need like a thousand of them or whatever it is. Um, <clears throat> but they they vomit puke all over the place. And the standing in the puke for even a second will basically down you. So you need to hoard them together and kill them. And if you get through that, that's fine. It, really, the difficult part of the fight is just surviving for so long while dealing with a multitude of mechanics. Um and the mechanics themselves are not necessarily difficult, but there's a lot of movement. A lot my buddy, of stuff going on. A, a lot of my buddy Prime Morris has this giant chomp he does where he like puts his face sideways and eats half the platform. Um, doesn't really eat it, but he'll catch you in it if you're not careful. And then at the end, you need to push the ball again, but this time it has a vomit trail and you can't stand in the vomit trail because it will kill you. Uh, and then you have to break bar it. And that's kind of the end of the fight. Um, it's a really good fight. It's a long. Um, you can low man it because I've seen it done. But yeah, it's, it's really a matter of attrition and attention and just doing your best to get over that more dramatic part where you have to jump. Learn to jump. So, so and yeah, uh, be it. very careful when you're playing with balls. Words to live by, I think. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll remain silent. If your commander says... <laughs> you heard it first, kids. Careful with your balls. If your commander says, don't touch the ball, don't touch the ball. Don't do anything. Run around in circles. I don't know. You know, like, you know it's yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. How many know. times you tell people, don't touch the ball, and yet the ball goes in a direction that nobody is hitting it in. Yeah, that's As is with life, as is with the game. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is just pure. I've been I've been sat here thinking about all these for a while. Hey, sorry, I'll shut up now. All, all the ball, all the ball memes. For for next, thinking about what you said though, I think that fight might be challenging from you just because of how much is going on. It, it yeah. is really chaotic. There's shit like all over the place. Um, and then when you were saying that, I was like, oh. Uh, it it does time. sound. How how is it, Inks? Is it is it well visually telegraphed the stuff, or is yes. it just? No, it no, is. There's like. When he does his chomp, there's a giant orange circle, and you know I have to get out of that. I have to. Make it's it's way reminiscent out. of Dragon's End, like the uh, it's the same platform, I think. Actually. Yeah, same yeah. same platform as Dragon's End, and similar, similar mechanics in yeah. some aspects. Um, if you did the full story, where you become Mega Man or whatever at the end, uh, a lot not all of them, but some of the mechanics are similar. Yeah, uh, in there, so uh, okay. you will have seen you will have seen some of them at least anyway from the dragons. Each dragon has its own flavor, its own mechanics that it does. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you're describing the 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 finale boss encounter. Yeah, yeah, it's very Pretty similar much. to that. It's just and all on one platform. I can I I can re- oh just all so there's not the jumping about the platforms. It's no, just no. it's. it's change ah okay okay. Yeah. so it that like that's the only one that really takes it and kind of like really not does it differently but like out of them all this one is done significantly differently oh, and, okay. and the cm is going to be <laughs> magnificent <laughs> just your reaction yeah hair on fire kind of wonderful <sighs> yeah art <laughs> 
I actually, I was, I was fine doing the, the it. I, I actually took um, my mother-in-law plays the game, and I, I, I walked her through the entire expansion, basically. Um, so, yeah, it was fun. Temple Harvest is is one of those instances that I would say to a person, just take a deep breath. You're going to start doing the fight, and a lot of stuff's going to happen, and you're going to be like, oh, my God, I can't deal with all of this. But you can. Mm -hmm. Just take a deep breath and then just keep playing as best you can. Um, It seems like a lot is going on, but it's not as much as you think. Yeah, for me, it's – when I was raid leading, I was just telling people – I don't care about your DPS. I care about you understanding mechanics and surviving foremost, and then, you know, just fit your DPS in as you can. And then over time you'll learn it and then you just, you'll, we'll eventually get it, you know, just one step at a time. Does it have a hard timer? None. No, there's no timer. No. There's no timer oh. whatsoever with any of these. Oh, right. So you can, yeah. Oh, oh, and that's actually kind of nice. Which is interesting that yeah. they would do that, right? I mean, yeah. but and and then I was I was talking when I was I was doing strikes on Wednesday, and I was like, yeah, you know, it's weird they don't have a timer. And then somebody reminded me, well, the other strikes don't have a timer either. They're just a reward timer that ironically looks like a timer. And I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> you're right. They took that gold silver chest me- mechanic out. Yeah. That's why I won't be surprised to see somebody probably solo. If they haven't already soloed Harvest Temple, they will because there's no timer. Oh my god. Um, 30 minutes. That being said, the new strikes have one fatal flaw. Uh Uh-oh. They're not rewarding. Yeah, I mean, the whole expansion Um, has that. Number one, you only get total rewards once per week instead of daily like all the other strikes. Uh, and then there's a daily strike that you can do for extra rewards. So there's one daily strike that you can do that will reward you, but otherwise there's no reason for you to do them every day. And I don't understand that at all. I, I don't know the reasoning. Uh, it just doesn't. I think sense. it's. I think it's just similar to raid. That's why they did it weekly. But even in raids, that's not a good concept, right? It's a terrible concept, even in raids. So I don't, I don't know how raid rewards are in other MMOs. So I, I can't really say. But uh, WoW does a, re- a weekly reset. Yeah. Uh, Final Fantasy does not. Final Fantasy does a daily reset. Yeah. I, how are I, those I, rewards? Unless you're doing higher. How are the rewards in Final Fantasy? Yeah. Um, equivalent to World of Warcraft. Okay. Like, uh, don't get me wrong. If you want to talk about, like, the main reward or something, that being weekly gated, that's fine. Uh, like, the, the chunk of the reward. But there should still be something for doing it multiple times or every day. Or There should be some reward attached to that. And current strikes have that, just not EOD strikes. And um, they'll address it, I'm sure, eventually it, it'll come to a head. People have been, since they started doing strikes, they've been complaining about it. So... I know that ArenaNet's aware of it. I'm sure that they'll address it, but right now, strikes are just not... The new strikes are not that rewarding. Would you want, like, a token system? Like, they do in the raids, so you get token drops for each of the boss kills so you can actually get loot that way? There is a token system that exists, sort of, already. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, you could just get extra tokens. They could give you the classic, you know, several rares, greens, blues, whatever... 
Um, but you need something to do it every day, you know? Mm. Um, <clears throat> and that exists in the old strikes, but not the new ones. They really, they were really tight fisted, I think with rewards when it comes to the EOD as far as yeah, like totally. total rewards. I don't get why. I think that'll loosen up as time goes. I think, I think for example, Dragon's End will get more rewarding. I think they'll add a tiered reward to that as well as maybe something else because the turtle's no longer there. I mean, it is. You can still get it that way. Yeah. But you don't need to. You can bypass it. Mm-hmm. And strikes, especially with CMs coming, um, you want your people invested. Like, I know people, all they do really is raid and do strikes. Uh, and, and I'm not even talking about Mighty Teapot here. I'm, I'm, talking to, I'm talking about people who they will run, you know, they'll do their weekly clear, but then they'll go back and help people all week long. And there's very little reward for them to do so. Yeah. Um, but there should be. There should be some reward for doing that. Hmm. I was actually, I mean, so playing through the expansion, I was quite pleasantly surprised at the number of brand new um, skin sets that we have. So we've got the salt spray. We've got um, the unlocks for the elite specializations. There's the jade tech armor. There's the ritualist armor. There's the ancient armor that you get at the um, the temple in um, Xinjiang. Uh, I, and I, I'm, I'm quietly working my way through to make some like gear showcases. I mean, I was quite pleasantly surprised at the kind of the volume, rather than the majority of it being pushed into monetization. And I, I, I fully support like funding the game, and I'm very happy that it is visually done rather than necessarily game breaking. But yeah, I, I was, I was quite happy. What, what, what would you guys like? Because I think that. Guild Wars has historically been terrible with its its trash reward system of filling your bags with crap and and not feeling like you're getting anything out of your of the time spent. What 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 changes would you guys like to see? Say for example, in the new in the next expansion which they've said that that's coming, what what changes like that would you like to see? Reward wise? Yeah. I, I feel like uh, like the only complaint I has I have is those those unique sets are I feel like are just hard to get like like I wish I was getting more unique things more often I don't know how you could possibly do that because um, like one of, I actually did this recently so I'm glad you brought it up I'm like what the hell are the new stuff I don't even know I haven't seen them I haven't I've seen a few people post um, the weapons in like guild chat, but like, I'm like, I know about the ancient, uh, Canthan armor, but I'm like, I don't know the other set. So I, I Googled it and, and, and it's on the wiki and I'm like, oh, look, but like, like, how do you unlock half this stuff? So I guess I'm, I'm, I'm making a video for that. So you stay, stay tuned. tuned. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I guess, I guess the answer to your question is like, I wish it was not easily accessible, but like, I, I, I wish that unique stuff was just like, integrated into the regular experience better instead of just being like a random drop. And like, I don't even know, maybe I'm wrong about the, well, I know the armors aren't random drops, but I don't know where you get those from. So I love, I love world of Warcraft tier sets mm-hmm. uniquely designed yeah. Yeah. to your profession or your class. Right. And I think that that's some of the most like iconic, especially when they, they're really designed to kind of, give you a, an entirely unique look from every other light armor wearer or heavy armor wearer, yeah? It, and I would love for them 
to to go down that route, especially with strike mission rewards and things. Tie a a beautiful, unique set to that so that people have some real kind of... Because, I mean, and I also would like to see them make Fashion Wars a a, a silver cost in-game rather than a a transportation charge, which just cock-blocks so much fun that the community could be having and free press that they could be having as people are just trying in different sets and flooding social media with all these incredible looks. Um, but yeah, I, I'd love tier sets specific, class specific, fantasy tier sets for each of the of the professions. That would be my... You know what they should do? Um, I don't think they're going to get rid of transmutation charges, unfortunately. But if you could exchange... Um, spirit shards for transmutation charges. I think that would be cool. That would be a good compromise, sort of. Oh, God, yes. That way you could level up, and I'll get a transmutation charge. It's only one, but, I mean, you level up enough after level 80 that, you know, it Absolutely. Makes, makes the content worth doing. Um, so that would maybe be something that I think they could add without damaging their purse so to speak. <clears throat> I don't know how many people actually buy transmutation charges. I never do because I open black lion chests, yeah. but I'm pouring so much money into black lion chests. That's a whole other story um, <laughs> that I'm sure I'm, I'm positive. There's some people out there who just don't have any transmutation charges and that sucks. Um, For me, they do give them to you so here and there. Content so I can go through. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, of course. Um, I thought it was cool that there was a rare weapon set that dropped. I forget what it's called. It's not the. It's the salt spray, I think, because the living water, the living spray? water one, is the ascended one. Um, yeah. but it had a yes. dragon theme and very yeah, canthin, and uh, so I thought that was cool to see a rare set mm-hmm. that could drop for you. And it was like, oh my god, a new like I think I got a bow at some point. And and there's two, the not thing. just the jade serpent ones, you know, because usually right. like with Path of Fire was the alone in set, and I think that was it. And I know there's like the funerary, funerary. So I ones, think the but... rare set is cool. Um, is there an exotic set or not? I don't even know. Yes, there's two. So okay. you can get this. You get there's two variants of the salt spray. One is uh, the rare. One is exotic, and they're oh. different colors. And then there's the jade tech. And, and, and that's crafted. And then there's the, the the red serpent as well. So there's the serpent stuff, and you can get you can upgrade it to shadow serpent. Oh. Uh, so you can completely change the look to the black dragon and the red dragon. So they've they've done quite nicely, I think. Cool. That's really cool. So yeah, I mean stuff like that, I think is awesome. More of that, and and obviously put those in maybe a new champion chest that drops. You know. <clears throat> to this day, I will say that one of the greatest things they ever did was they added a series of weapons that weren't related to each other in any way, um, but they were weapon skins they added to champion boxes. And because of that, champion trains, meta trains, and so forth formed up, and they still run today. Uh, those skins are now not worth very much, but at the time, they were worth a lot of money, and it created a lot of content for people to run around and do. And I think that that's always a good thing to tie into your events <clears throat> especially EOD has a lot of events so that would be great the only other the only other thing I would say and I don't think it's going to happen which is a shame but it would be really awesome if they would really loosen their strings on mount skins I yes. think Thank you. that 
for example, putting the turtle behind DE was a terrible idea. But a turtle skin, not as terrible an idea. Yes, mm-hmm. you're still going to have people who are upset and crazy and whatever. If they want to buy it off the gem store, let them. Fine. Uh, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if I can get it from doing the event, maybe as a drop, that's cool. Uh, like they, they added a throne that you can get as a drop from DE. Or you can buy it for 20,000, 200,000 scrolls or something. I forget. And you can sell it. You can also buy it off the trading post for like 200 gold. So win, win, win. I can get it as a drop. I can just buy it off the trading post if I want to for gold. Or I can do lots of events and save up and eventually buy the thing that I want. And I think that accessibility to like mount skins would also be awesome. It yeah. could drop. You can sell it to me. I can save up and buy it from doing enough of the events if I'm not lucky. And I think, I think like that's the key thing, but they, they really need to loosen up a little bit. I'm not saying you need to give tons of mount skins, but a couple of mount skins, a couple of chair skins, maybe an instrument that drops from some musical event. Um, you know, just a whole variety. I agree. Yeah. 100%. Just, just, just a whole variety of like, uh, maybe a special die kit that drops just from EOD that can drop from any of the meta events or something. Um, and, and no double whammies. No, like, here's a die kit, but haha, you got blue die from the core game. No, like, <laughs> you know, I got the dry, die kit drop. Let me choose whatever color I want. And I uh, can sell it. And let me sell it, too. Like, you know. I hate the Russian ruler. I hate the Russian. Just do it like you do the birthday kits. You buy the die, you get the die you want. Yeah, just I, let me let uh, me pick the die I want. You're yeah, still going to make tons of money, you yeah. know, whatever. Right. 100%. I couldn't agree so, with you more. reward-wise, yeah. I think all of those things would really boost, um, really, really boost things uh, for the game in general. And that's just the PvE side. Rover's World has been known to be getting its own reward rewrite, and Rover's World needs its own special things as well. And in my mind, there's no limit to skins that you can add to the game. Come Winter's Day, they turn the catapults and stuff into peppermint patties or whatever, right? So why not sell that? Well, you know, sell that to me. It, I don't. I wouldn't buy it, but somebody will. Somebody will, right? Or, yeah. or let me have that as a drop or something. Uh, when I put siege down, this is purple level siege, but it's. I don't know, Krakatoric skin or something, whatever, whatever the case is, you know, you can come up with different World vs. World skins uh, to help monetize World vs. World as well as add rewards to it. And again, the key is always multiple ways to get it. Let me have it as a random drop. That's always exciting. Let me build up to it, even if it costs me a couple hundred tickets or whatever, fine. Uh, let me buy it off the trading post and some people can make gold doing it. If you can make gold doing it, people will run the event. People will play that mode. And, and, and that goes for PvP as well. You have to be able to uh, you have to be able to let the players monetize rewards somehow. If I can play PvP and make a lot of gold, or if I can play PvP and get a certain skin that I can make a lot of gold off of, uh, that will incentivize people to go there and then do those things. We've been going for like three plus hours. So, I want to. I I can talk endlessly, so you need to just shut me up eventually. (laughs) I I know. Um, I want to wrap up and sort of talking about 
um, what wasn't what came out this week about sort of we're getting season one of the Living World back into the game, and um, sort of like where we want to see the next Living World season because it's not going to be you know the days of season six is over. They're just going to call it by a certain title, just like they did with Ice Root Saga. It's more attractive. It, I think that's, you know, you, you when you see season six, you go, season six, I haven't played the first five or whatever. You know, so now that it's just under like a branded name, I think it's easier to kind of market. But um, so are you guys excited to see season one finally coming back? It's been asked for for years and years and years. And then what are you kind of looking for in the next Living World uh, seasons? Personally, um, I like... I'm not really excited for season one. I don't really care. I played it when it came back out. I'm sure a lot of people, you know, I know I I know a lot of people are excited about it. Um, but for me, it'll probably be something I, I go back to sort of like I, like I was talking about earlier with Ice Brood Saga. I'll just kind of play it all together, maybe. It's not going to make me, like, come back if I've stopped playing the game. I have a ton of other games to play. This isn't going to, like, really get me back. And for... Um, the living world stuff. Uh, I mentioned earlier how I hope they don't just jump into another conflict right away. Um, so, like, kind of like my thinking about that, I was like, okay, so we know the first map is going to be in Cantha, right? Um, so I was like, I would love to see like maybe the new map is like an an area where the Alonians and the Tyrians are coming to Cantha for the first time, and the map is centered around sort of that melting pot of peoples right and maybe like the first few episodes are sort of just about like the sharing of cultures that is now going on that hasn't been happening for 250 years and like maybe there's like a little bit of like conflict but like the map isn't a fucking war zone (laughs) i sometimes get annoyed when maps are just endless war zones i think uh lake doric is like the perfect example the map is just like this, this sprawling war that's going on and um, I don't necessarily, like, want to see, like, the purists come up. I think we've had it, – it's ironic, both real-world politically and in-game politically, that we've had a bunch of supremacist faction in Guild Wars 2. There's tons of them. White Mantle, purists, Frost Legion. Like, it's there's an endless amount of supremacist groups in, in this game. I'm like, all right, let's, like, let's do something different. We don't need to just do the faction group that – dislikes everyone else right like i don't know what we need to do but let's do something different once once we get there but i i think that's like a cool approach to take rather than a war just like oh yeah we're gonna focus on the the races getting together and seeing each other and seeing what they have to say and like all that flavor dialogue that comes out of that and and the lore that could come out of that i think it is an opportunity to kind of um like we were saying get to these sort of side plots that have kind of um, bubbled up over the years. And I'm not just talking about the stuff that's happened in EOD. I'm talking about like the whole series, the whole franchise, because there's a lot of stuff that's, you know, been unaddressed. Maybe this is the the time where we introduce new characters. I feel like the, the set we have have been great, but they've not overstayed their welcome, but they've been around for a while. How do we transition them into a sort of a side role and bring new people in? Um, in a respectful way, obviously. Um, yeah, I think that's that's all I have to say. Uh, age, what do you have to say? 
Uh, what next for Guild Wars 2? I think, I think there's a lot of good things that they listed. Uh, season 1 definitely is one of the things a lot of people wanted. Um, you could only experience South Sun once, though. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, I think it's good for a lot of people who didn't get to experience the story there and wanted to and just came in like season two, season three, not understanding what led up to those. So uh, it's good for them. I'm really looking forward to all the other things because I think that's what the game needs. So I think over the next two years, we'll be seeing that. Uh, and I just hope it measures up because uh, I think the game really needs it. I think the game really needs a lot more focus, like I said before, in other parts uh, I, I think the main, the the biggest problem for me, uh, the two biggest problems for me is that uh, the pillars of the game need focus at all times, not just one pillar at any time. And I think uh, playing, we need less playing alongside others and more playing with others, and putting more guild in Guild Wars. And I think guild missions really accomplish that a lot. So I would like to see Guild Missions make a return, and to that degree, new ones anyway. Um, I also think that helps in terms of helping players learn mechanics of the game as well in a more uh, easygoing environment. It could lead to better things. I do think rewards do need improvements. I, oh, When you guys were talking about it, it reminded me a lot about when I was just grinding dungeons back in... Uh, Guild Wars 1 because I wanted different costumes for my heroes. So there are, uh, for those who know, there's like specific little drops that you can get uh, so you can give your uh, character, uh, your hero, a different outfit. So I did that for literally every every of my characters. I grinded those. I think unique rewards that have a chance of dropping are really good for a game, for, for an MMO. I think that's why a lot of people run that type of end game content. So I, I think if you introduce that, it's really good. And um, like it, even for mounts, like there's one die channel. If you don't have a skin, there's one die channel for mount. If you gave a skin that gave four different die channels, that'd be amazing. Uh, that's that was the bare minimum for me. So I, I think those are those are the main things I'd be looking for when it comes to the future of the game. That's pretty much it. Fornax? Um, so, in terms of Season 1, I'm very happy to see it return to the game for the continuity of the story for new players. Because if we don't get new players into the game, the game is going to die, regardless of what we do. It needs growth. And I think at the moment, I mean, I've made a shit ton of videos about it, you know, <laughs> but... It, it's not the same as having that personal interaction with the characters and and jumping from the the personal story right into season two, you're surrounded by people who are strangers to you. So it is odd as hell. And that little intermission that they put into the game is is useless. So I'm very happy. Um, I actually, I burnt out during season one. They burnt mm. me to a fine crisp with the intensity of the, con- of the content going forward. Um... I just I couldn't make it through. I got I got into I came back uh, for the Battle of Lion's Arch, um, but honestly I don't know how the the devs managed to make it. I couldn't even play through it without burning out. So they must have just 
fried, boiled their staff to get the, the content out in season one. I'm so happy that they changed that paradigm for everybody. Um, so thumbs up. And actually, now that they're releasing season one, my daughter is actually going to come and play through the game with me. She wanted to play the complete story. So I'm really super happy about that. Um, and yeah, so that's that's personally, that's a good thing for me. Um, going into the follow-on story from, from the end where we are now, going into what would be season six, which is not going to be season six, as everyone said, I, I think there were a couple of narrative threads that they could follow. So this mysterious chaos energy that manifested into a cognitive being at the end of the story has dissipated, but I don't necessarily think that it's gone away. So that is a narrative thread they could pull that could take us out into the mists into a myriad of different worlds, even the human's um, original planet, um, which would be great. Um, if you don't know, humans are actually an implanted uh, species on this world brought by the gods. Um, so that would be an interesting one for me. I would like to actually, so there's a lot of Tengu story and we have the dominion of the winds that we've <laughs> never gone into, right? Yeah. I want to go into that map. I was actually hoping that there would be some, so we had that strike mission where we, 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 we interacted with the Tengu and I was hoping that we would actually follow that Tengu into the dominion of the winds and then they would take us to Kantha. That was my hope for how the story was going to go forward. Um, so I, w I want to see that and I would like to see a new playable race. I think that that is going into the next season. I, I think it is vital. I don't care if, if, if you make the deal that I'm sorry, if you have this new playable character, it's your story starts here. You can't play all the rest of it. If, if you tell the player that, then they can make a choice. Yeah. Um, as to, so I agree with uh, age about the, guild stuff it's guild wars we have guild halls we need i i still do like every other week i still do guild missions with my guildies we do it because we like each other rather than the guild missions themselves now because they're so done to death but i would love to see some new life some new strike missions some new rewards and some new um reward tokens added so that it's actually rewarding for the current tier of gear because it's still tied to the Dragonstan map and the the, the, the awe there. Um, and I would like to also see a proper story journal taken out of the... and so that I can look at it as a separate entity and proper side quests. So the whole there's a whole uh, story with Jury where you go and see her, yes? And you actually get extra dialogue and extra information. I had no idea about that until someone told me. So it would be nice if the main story was marked in blazing glory. This is the main story. And then side stories were marked on the map so that you know the person to go and talk to rather than just randomly hoping that you get a loot drop that opens the achievement. 90% of the game is hidden behind achievements and collection quests. And and I, I think it's a disservice to the, the amount of work that the dev team does that half the player base doesn't even realise it's there. And I'm not exactly backwards and coming forwards when it comes to the content, not the necessarily the mechanics, but when it comes to lore and story, I'm I'm in, you know, I, I'm 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 paid up. You take my money, take my time. But if it's if it's if it's hidden for me, well, it's probably hidden for most people, right? So, 
that would be and the only other thing i'd like to see is yeah tourist modes and opening up in the next expansion for the raids let's not waste that content let's use it let's give it access to more people and player housing of course <laughs> of course fucking player housing why do not do we not have player housing when we have all the mechanics there available to have it come on guys i mean it's, it's a license to print money at this point so yeah that's it bring it home eggs um personally i don't care i don't care about season one but just because i don't care doesn't mean it's not important um it is important for a continuity as uh forax was saying and um i'm i'm currently uh i've been playing with a group and a number of players more recently who they arrived after season one and so they've never been able to experience that they've never been able to play it so of course they're all excited to get whatever this season one will be morphed into and i think that it'll be a lot more condensed and i think it's also going to be probably better told because yes we were getting updates every two weeks uh, and some of those updates were hard to keep up with um, depending on how much time you had or didn't have but um, sometimes the story drug quite a bit. And so it's, it's not uncommon to like, you would lose interest. Okay. This time I planted signs that I didn't even know I could do because back then it, it didn't prompt you to, to go somewhere. You didn't get, somebody didn't send you mail and say, come plant some signs. It, not like it is today. Um, people were wandering around the map and said, Oh, what's this? And then you went to Reddit to see that, Hey, there's, some sort of story going on that we had no idea about. So that'll be exciting. Plus, they're going to re-release and revamp the Aetherblade dungeon. So that'll be cool. And there'll be a strike for that and a CM strike for that, apparently. So that's exciting for me. Um, As for the future, uh, Fortunately or unfortunately, I think it's going to center around the void magic, chaos magic, whatever you want to call it. I'm not super excited about that, but um, who knows? Maybe they'll wow me. Maybe they'll blow my socks off or something. Uh, I am excited to explore more Canton maps. There's like a map called Turtle Summit something or other that I'm like, yes. I'm not even a big turtle fan, but I'm like, yes, I want to go to the turtle summit mountains or whatever they're called um there's obviously way more jade sea uh there's a map to the south where the humans were supposedly planted originally i think um or something to that effect so yeah you know i'm i i'm very confident with the leadership arena arena has in place right now with grouch taking over game director uh which he just got like upgraded to and colin and i I apologize. I forget the other guy's name, JC or something like that. Um, yeah, I, I think within the last six months or so, those guys have shown, those people, excuse me, have been have shown that they're dedicated to making better changes. Um, and so I look forward to seeing what they do with the next story and, and how all of that shapes out. I think season one will be a great addition. We know they want to release on Steam. Steam is going to be huge for the game but they don't want to rush it and not be ready for it. And I think season one is a big part of that. Uh, Having that in place 
uh, and having that hammered out is really important for the Steam release. So, yeah, I, I look forward to the future. I'm excited for what we have to say. I, I know, like, a lot of the things we said here today over the last three hours or whatever it's been, a lot of that may have come across negative or, like, oh, the game needs to be fixed or, you know, the game is actually in a really, really good state right now. Um, don't get me wrong. There's there's small things that could be improved and rewards could be better and PvP could use more people to play and Orvis World still needs some things and so forth. You know, it, it's not, you know, the grass is always greener sort of situation, but it is in a good place. It is in a good state. Over the last three years, we've seen uh, player growth. So that's a big positive. Um, hard stuck. Like up until this morning, um, I would wake up every morning at 4 or 5 a.m. East Coast time, my time. And there would be like three groups of 60 people trying to do Dragon's End nearly around the clock. And not all the same people, different people coming in and out of that Discord. So there are tons of people out there, both North America and EU, playing the heck out of this game right now. And um, that's really a great thing to see for for those of us who have been playing for a long time. And I agree totally with the guild content. We need more guild content. Anthony, Age, and myself all met through a guild that did guild content regularly, like on a weekly schedule. We, we did it to death, unfortunately, over like two or three years. Yeah, but, we did. <laughs> uh, you know, I, if, if they came out tomorrow and said, hey, we're going to be focusing on guilds, I would be super happy with that. I'd be like, yes, finally, let's do it. Um, nothing but nothing but bright, bright stars for Guild Wars 2. Has your poopadoo thirst been quenched, has it? <laughs> Yes, unfortunately. <laughs> and we even made extra games out of games uh, on the guild missions, racing yeah. for gold and, and whatever, you know. Yeah, the stuff we the stuff we did with that turned into Bog Otter's content was actually pretty wild and how long that sustained and yeah, like yeah, we, we, you know, I, I, I totally forget about good missions sometimes because I just don't do them anymore. But for a while, it was like, you know, Monday nights, that that's what we did. We, you know, we did the guild missions. But, you know, we weren't there for the guild missions. We were there because it was fun. Yeah, we were there to goof around with each other and make jokes and see who makes silly mistakes and so forth. Exactly. Well. Good times. It's been a riveting conversation. Almost, I I think this podcast will probably be. I'm if I take a guess, like three twenty. I think there's a, a my total recording time is almost four hours. But oh damn! I kind of expected. I kind of expected this. <laughs> but it's been it's been great. You guys had so much more to say than I I could have ever said. So I'm glad for your varying opinions and and your knowledge, your wealth, uh, your wells of knowledge here. So thank you for coming on. Age, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitch and YouTube at Age Night Road, all one word. Uh, I'm just vibing right now, doing a bunch of things. Uh, I kind of just want to see where I take my content right now. Right now, I kind of want to do more things. So I'm kind of not making as much right now. But yeah, that's that's pretty much it for me. Thanks. Yeah, um... I'm going to plug the Hardstuck Discord, uh, discord.gg slash hardstuck. Come over and join it. Just just be part of the Discord. And 
I am. They do raid, they do raid trainings and they do stuff on NA and EU. Great group of people. I mean, it's been exploding lately. I don't even know all the people anymore. But um, yeah, you know, um, I, you know, I'm always puttering around doing these podcasts and talking too much. So, <laughs> you know, you'll find me in, in basically almost any Guild Wars Two stream at some point, and uh, you know, I'll see you out there. Crying Harold, last but not least. Hi, uh, so um, I have a YouTube channel called The Crichton Herald. I make Guild Wars 2 content. I do guides and lore and loot stuff, loot showcases. So many loot showcases because they're super easy. Sorry, got to be real. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, and I also have a Twitch channel and I'm going to be getting back to doing a bit of streaming. Um, but it's deeply incompetent streaming, so with deeply incompetent gameplay to match but that's that's yeah that's my jam so yeah youtube and on um on twitter if you if you if you dare to like wade through the affluence of uh of twitter you can find me on there as well i post a lot of art (laughs) try and cleanse the timeline a bit that's it that's me yeah you can you can find all their links in the description of this podcast um Twitter links have probably been going off on the video end. So if you're watching on video, there's a, well, it wouldn't technically be a lower thirds for all of us, but you know, it, it'll, it'll pop up in here and there, but again, description, that's where everything will be. Normally I stream live on twitch.tv uh, slash Delk under network. But for this one, I decided not to because I, I just didn't, didn't want to. I figured it would be long. Got some new people on the podcast. Want to focus on the production more than the actual stream. But normally, you know, you can find us streaming live. Twitch.tv slash Delco Nerd Network. You can find us on YouTube.com slash Delco Nerd Network. As well as your favorite podcast service. Just search. You guessed it. Delco Nerd Network. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, at Delco Nerds. As well as Facebook, Delco Nerd Network. Uh, just give us a search there. Um, email. Comments, questions, concerns, thanks for the good of the group, DelcoNerds at gmail.com. And all this information can be found at DelcoNerdNetwork.com. Well, no, I I just said the site for the email. DelcoNerds at gmail. The site's DelcoNerdNetwork.com. I'm getting confused. Um, and you can join our Discord there as well. And our Discord is everywhere else. You know, all the links kind of inter- intersect and intertwined and whatnot. Guys, thank you for joining me. It's been a, It's been a great conversation. And to the viewers, thanks for listening or watching. Stay nerdy, and we'll see you next time.